Hello, everybody. Welcome to another full episode of Brownie Points. I'm Dan. I'm Nick. And this is the podcast for a guy with a film degree. And a guy who knows how to work a DVD player. Talk to you about movies. First, in theaters, Nick and I went and saw Will Smith being chased by Will Smith in the Ang Lee sci-fi action film, Gemini Man. Then the only good movie we saw this week, we head to Netflix to watch the uh, Breaking Bad movie, El Camino. And then, in lieu of Jexy, we went ahead and jumped into the time machine and went to 1968 to watch the Roman Polanski horror classic, Rosemary's Baby. All of that on this week's episode of Brownie Points. All right, everybody, welcome to the show. We are skipping the Brownie Bites segment this week because our episode is just too full and we got so much to talk about. We're get, we'll get back to you with some news or it, one of it's our... It's like me when I was 10 at a buffet. <laughs> we'll, we'll get back to you with um, whatever we do for Brownie Bites next week. Uh, but for now, our first of many films we're talking about in this week's episode stars will smith chasing himself will smith along with mary elizabeth winstead clive owen and benedict wong from the marvel films directed by academy award winner ang lee it's gemini man i will get us started with my uh spoiler free quick hot take first (sighs) once again ang lee has invested heavily in so much technology and wants to push the boundaries with how we can make filmmaking, uh, how we can advance it into the future and like try to set the bar with and push the boundaries for what filmmaking can do he's, and be. And he's moving forward with visuals while taking large steps back with storytelling. Exactly. This movie wastes the potential showcase for what he wanted to do with another completely mediocre film. The last time he did this was Billy Lynn's Halftime Walk back in 2016, and that film also, albeit worse than this, uh, uh, Gemini Man wow, is better. Wow, saying something. Gemini Man is better than Billy Lynn, in my opinion, um, for a very petty reason I can explain later. Um, <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> But it's so petty, it should be called Richard. They're both <laughs> exactly. Uh, but uh, this film just really like when you get down to it, it takes an interesting idea of like this kind of action espionage, well, sort of espionage, but like this action thriller idea, which is pretty cool at face value. Like uh, Will Smith, uh, an assassin, I'm one day away from retirement, getting chased down by his own clone of him in his youthful peak in his early twenties. That's honestly kind of cool. It's, but, the thing is, the thing is, it, that concept sounds cool, and simult- as cool as it sounds, also sounds as uh, like the same amount of hokiness. And it's like you can make two, you can make two kinds of movies. This is the bad one. Yeah, it just there's not. It just is done so blandly. Everything about the film is just so bland. There's nothing like really that gritty or or thrilling about something with this big a twist within the story none of the acting is worth note at all even will smith i mean 
I you like his performance more than I do. I just it felt like and, I, and and I'm not saying I like his performance. I'm just saying it's kind of moderately okay. I think he's I, at least not sleepwalking through the role. I thought everybody was phoning it in to various degrees. Like just Will Smith's natural charm probably like elevates any. You didn't performance think the girl. He, what's the girl's name? Mary Elizabeth Winstead. She played Danny. You didn't think she was like. Kind of like I didn't think she was phoning it in, but I didn't think she was fabulous. No, I don't like anybody's performance in this. I don't like Benedict Wong. I don't like Clive. I don't like her. I don't. I didn't like any performance in this film really at all. Like it was all various degrees of just meh, or okay, I guess you're acting like um, <laughs> woo effort. Yeah, and then like I said, the story like takes this cool idea, but doesn't do anything remotely interesting to innovate this twist or innovate uh the subgenre that it's in with like this espionage action thriller like it's just it has this long setup where you feel like there's like some tension with like him actually being murdered by the 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 government at first but then it's revealed that oh no the super weapon is coming to him and it it's his t- t- and it's his t- uh clone Bethy, stop. I'm going to keep complaining about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> upsetting your cat. I know. I'm getting so mad about this. Like, it just doesn't do anything remotely interesting with it then, other than, like, timing the reveal of uh, Will Smith's character, like, a third of the way through the film. Like, and that's not even that revealing. Like... Because um, they showed it in the trailer. Yeah, like, the fact that they delayed it was the biggest twist in the film. Like, um, and uh, on the technical... No... That's not the biggest twist. Well, I, we can, yeah, that's, that, that last twist was stupid. We can get that in spoiler territory. Um, I'll just wrap it up with on a technical level, like, there really is nothing remotely well done about this film technically either. Like, uh, none of the art, nothing remotely close to interesting in terms of, like, they went on location, but they picked all the most bland locations to, like, shoot in. Like, the least interesting part of Budapest to shoot in. The least interesting part of uh columbia to shoot in like nothing was interesting about like the actual like global scale about this um there was nothing remotely innovative looking in terms of the cinematography like the shots that were used in the film which is even more depressing because the fact that he went out of his way ang lee to shoot this film like billy lynn at 120 frames per second in 3d and in 4k you have this beautifully crisp picture and opi- your opinion aside as to whether did, how that did you go did you go see it uh in like a higher frame rate thing yeah i know you were you talked about going to do that yeah no i went out of my way to do that because i wanted the where i'm at here in cincinnati the closest to his vision which by the way nobody could see his entire vision yeah. um the closest that i personally could though was a regular room not imax it was a regular room at 60 frames a second instead of 120 but still in 4k and in 3d and i'll break it down all the all these ways like 3d i'm just not a fan of 3d i don't see movies in 3d this is the first 3d movie i've seen in god god knows how long i can't even remember i think think the only 3d movie i've gone to see in a theater was when metallica through the never wasn't was out and one, I think it was because it was only in 3D at the theater I went to. Like, they didn't have any standard showings. And it was actually kind of decent because it just added, it, like, they actually did it in a way that added depth. They didn't, like, try and poke your eye out with a pool stick or something. Like, they're like, oh, no, like, it just adds depth. I feel like 
Endgame might have been, or uh, Infinity War. I feel like Infinity War I might have saw in 3D, but I really don't remember. Like Who can remember a year ago? Yeah, not, <laughs> two years ago. <laughs> Infinity War. No, I never saw Endgame in 3D. No, Infinity War was in 2018, dude. Oh, right. No. Oh, my God. I'm getting my days. I'm getting my years all mixed up. Yeah. (laughs) But no, I I can't remember the last time I saw a movie in 3D. But um, that aside, I'm it's not that distracting in this. Like it kind of I like the concept of what having the extra frame rate does along with 3D because it really does add if you want to use the word realism to it. Like I like the way it complements like it's already kind of like. That hyper smoothness with the motions is still kind of jarring to me, like when someone turns their head or like moves really fast or like in the action. But it's undeniable the clarity of like when something is still, the clarity of like all the pores and sweat and the wounds on all their faces and like the detail and the clothing and like um, especially I texted you the underwater shots. There's a lot of shots in the water in the film absolutely breathtaking to look at like in the small moments that they're in and like i want to see more i want to see a good film that's like shot this way and see if it actually elevates it because here yeah i can admire the technical marvel of it and i do think there's something promising here um i but do you can also do it by going to best buy yeah <laughs> i do wish i could have saw this movie in actually like 120 just to see what the difference if there is really that much between 120 and 60 but um, I'll, I'll spare you the rest of my thoughts on that, like, because probably 90% of you that are listening to this maybe didn't see this in the, in the, as close to intended way that Ang Lee did, uh, Honestly, most this. of the people that are listening to this probably didn't see the movie. Well, yeah, there's that too. I mean, there's no, uh, there's no harm in skipping this movie because it's really, it's just so, it's so I encourage you to skip this movie. It's so forgettable. I, I'm going to barely be able to help you get through a plot summary if we even do one. Like, Nope. It's, uh, I, I'm, uh, I, I, I forfeit my time. This movie on our scale where a full brownie pan with sprinkles is a borderline masterpiece, if not outright. A full pan of brownies is a very, very, very good movie. Uh, have my, maybe minor issues in it. A 50-50 film, like kind of good, kind of bad. It's a half pan. A pretty bad movie is a single brownie and that's what i'm giving gemini man because it's not an outright disaster one of the worst films of the year which is so bad that you don't get a brownie you get a raisin cookie uh that's where i give it a single brownie nick what do you think about gemini man i saw it um i went to like just a standard showing of it i don't know uh like, I don't know the frame rate or anything like that. If you if you if it if it didn't have that hyper smooth motion to it, you it, saw it had hyper smoothness to it. Like it was kind of creepy. Well, did it? Um, well, did it say it was high frame rate, like H, like HFR? Uh, I went in there and the movie played. Okay, you probably saw it reduced down to 24 frames, which actually I'm kind of interested in, like, because I've seen the trailers and like we've talked about it before, where like when he throws the bike off of that one. Side Dude, it's, it's laughably tank. bad. Oh yeah, it, no, I could. So it, so the thing, the thing is with the technical aspects for the for the viewing I saw, it it's smooth. The I think the higher frame rate and the 4K added depth because there were a lot of scenes where I got a good perception of the person that is focused in is much closer to the camera than the person than the stuff that's out of focus in the background. 
Um, the problem with that is when they have CGI that like, I'm not saying all the CGI in the movie, but towards the end, there is a very obvious scene where young Will Smith is almost entirely CGI and it's so jarring. I started laughing. Yeah. Um, I think I know which shot you're talking about. We can dive into that in the second. Yeah. We'll, we'll dive into it in the spoiler section, but like, it's like, it was really bad. Yeah. Um, this movie was so boring. Um, if I wanted to see a tech demo for 3D TVs, 4K TVs, high frame rate TVs, I'd go to Best Buy and look at their tech demos. Um, I've never seen a movie that like relies so heavily on action sequences that just like the action sequences feel so out of place because they're just talking through so much of the movie. Um, and they're not even that exciting, really. Like we've seen so many better action sequences in other 2019 movies alone. Yeah. Uh, this was really, uh, one of the most boring things I've watched in a theater in such a long time. Um, I, I'm usually really good about not going to the bathroom during a movie. Um, but I was actually like, if you if you can entertain me enough, I don't go to the bathroom, right? But yeah, that's that's uh, that's the ultimate goal is that you make something that grabs your attention so well that the viewers do not get up and go to the bathroom because if they do, then either it's a straight up emergency. Obviously, there's that, but or otherwise you made something but, boring. But if I do, I usually, you know, it it's usually not this close to the middle. I got up and went to the bathroom and looked and there was still 50 minutes of the movie left. And I was like, I feel like I've been sitting here for two hours. Yeah. Um, this movie's pacing was really bad for sure. God, dude, it, uh, they don't develop the characters at all. Um, which is funny cause the whole movie, they talk so much. You think they're developing Will Smith's character and the younger Will Smith. Dude, this was so boring. Just so like, I have I have never not cared about actions like I've never not cared about what's happening to characters in action scenes that much. Like I cared more in um, uh, what was the really crappy alien movie we saw, like the third week. Captive State. Yeah, the dude, one you I the cared, one you used I cared to bring about up what every, happened. <laughs> the one you used huh? to bring up every single week for like a month. Yeah, <laughs> dude, I I cared more about what happened to the people in Captive State than I did about any character in this movie. Ouch! Ouch! Same. Like, dude, that's saying something. This movie, this movie's so bad. I'm actually complimenting Captive State on something. Jesus, um, I'm guessing this is a cookie then. Oh, hardcore. <laughs> uh, the reason the reason it is, and I can't really explain until we get to the spoiler section. Okay. Um, this movie, I have seen this story done, and it wasn't even done that good in this video game, but it was done like five times better in in a video game. Which I'll, which I'm not gonna say what it is until we get to the spoiler section because one, if I say what it is, you're gonna guess what a third of this movie is. Um, right. And also, I want to, you know let people have the chance to make sure that they want to hear me spoil that video game too. But dude, this was so like, I, I think this might be the only movie that I've given a cookie to that. I actually see like a good, like a good thing in it. It's an interesting story and, and it's shot like the, the, it visually it's very good for part for most of it there's a lot of fighting scenes where i'm like you didn't film the action in this very well 
Um, that's the that's CG, what, well, that's why the I was, CGI yeah. rubber bands hard. And what I and what I blame that on is I think the frame rate was so high that it like the C, like the CGI just kind of was forced into like it's gonna look not natural because it's it's moving too quickly between the frames because there's just so many frames. Um, yeah, that's that's what I pointed out to you when we first saw the trailer. You were like, "Oh, why did that look so weird?" Like when the bike flew. Yeah, because when he throws the motorcycle at him, dude, I swear that thing goes from like probably 45, 50 miles an hour up to like eighty five. Yeah. It just out of nowhere gains thirty miles an hour. Well, yeah, that and I had to tell you immediately, like that's because the frame rate. Like we're watching a twenty four frame like deconversion. Yeah, but that doesn't excuse it for being stupid. Well, no, I'm not saying it's not dumb. Like the physics of like throwing a bike around like a weapon is pretty ridiculous in itself. But yeah, I'm just saying like that way that look. That's what you see when you downscale something that was shot over six times the normal frame rate back down to our quote regular 24 frames. It's yeah. gonna it's gonna have that unnatural looking blur to it because that's not the way it was filmed. Yeah. But um, I um yeah. I, I was so bored. I, and that's really all I can come back to. Um, there are people in my theater that seem to enjoy it. I, I just like this movie suffers a lot from just kill him syndrome where so many problems are resolved. If you just pull the stupid trigger, like just, just kill this guy and it ends. And it's not even the same character every single time. It's like, <laughs> I, I the best way I know how to compare it is you know those uh those movies where like okay it let's take it okay throughout throughout the it movie it's killing all the non main character kids and then when it gets to the main character kids it's just trying to scare them and strings it along and lets the kids get away that's what happens in this movie except for no one dies it's just string it's, okay like three other people die but they're just stringing along killing the killing the person they should be killing like just just shoot him. Just shoot him, and all the problems go away. And then they don't do it. And then they get to another point where they can just shoot him, and all the problems go away. And they just don't. Well, and then they get to it. And then they get to a different character. And if they just shoot that guy, it ends. And then they just don't. Like, dude, I I have, I think I texted you. I was like, that movie felt like it was ending for over an hour. Because it, it once it gets to the point where it uh, becomes uh, 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 a certain uh, found footage horror movie that didn't go over very well, uh, which I'll explain in the spoiler section. But as soon as it becomes that point, it feels like it's wrapping up, and then it just goes on for an hour. Yeah, I I I have a feeling I know exactly where you're talking about, where like the actual plot stops, and you just kind of are spinning the wheels until we finally are like, okay, now we're gonna end, and then we start getting some of that conflict resolution. Yeah. I, yo, no, that's a really good point. Like thinking about it, because like the whole, um, well, hold on, we might as well just throw the flag up here, guys. Neither of us like this movie at all. If you want to hear us go into more detail about why we really didn't like this movie, other than where we already have been at, uh, go ahead and look at the timestamp for our next review. Um, we're gonna go full on into spoilers about Gemini Man, uh, for the rest of the segment. Um, so. Nick, I wanted to um, talk about one thing real quick before we like get into like specific like plot specific like details. Um, 
since we didn't really say it up front, even though it's not really worth keeping before the spoiler section, what did you think of the actual like CGI of uh, younger Will Smith himself? Like it goes from it goes from being good to some of the worst CGI I've seen recently. See, I it's dude, it is not consistent. See, part of me wonders like how differently it could have been like if we saw this together in like the same theater because now i like i'm very fascinated that you say that where the viewing that i was at i honestly thought that was one of the more consistently well done things in the here's, film here's the okay here's the thing when it's good it's really really good yeah like it it it's it's about on par with um uh kurt russell in guardians of the galaxy in a lot of parts and then there's scenes where, man, it looks phony as hell. There was, um, I'm trying to think, like, if there was any part that, like, seemed really off to me. Like, kind of, I think the only time... It pretty re- much any pretty much any action sequence that, not, not him riding a motorcycle or shooting, but any action sequence that involved hand-to-hand combat, or the scene at the, like, at the end of the movie where it's so bad I started laughing... Oh, dude, when they're walking around the college campus, that was the only time that I, like, really, like, yeah, could dude, tell that he, it was, like, I just CG. started laughing, yeah. but, like, the scene where they're fighting in the catacombs and the scene with, like, the motorcycles, like, if they're just running around shooting, it looks believable. But if it's, uh, if it's anything other than that, dude, he rubber bands like crazy. Really? Like, I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't bad. see anything, I couldn't see anything like that, and I'm starting to wonder if that was... Because of it getting like so smoothed out, like if seeing it, it in that it frame looked, rate was it looked like Peter Parker learning about his Spider-Man powers in Spider-Man One. See, that's probably because of the frame rate. Like, I really want to see this now to see if that is a frame rate no, issue. No, not that. Like, and his I want backs, you see, like, no, it, listen. Okay. His okay. his body's bending too much. Interesting. I didn't see like I his didn't back see that is issue. curving too much, and he's. Sp- like his spinning is too like it's it's too curved. Hmm. I'll have to like it's not it's not a natural human movement is what I'm getting at. Interesting. I I didn't notice anything like that personally. That's but uh, now you're, don't don't give me an excuse to watch this movie again because I really don't want to. Like <laughs> maybe I'll have maybe I'll have to rent it and like go snippet by snippet through those scenes. Like, but no, I mean um. Aside from that, though, like, um, I want to call out one specific, the one specific scene, probably my only close to like favorite scene in the film, besides anything that was in the water, just because, uh, just purely from an aesthetic level, like any shot that was where the camera was in the water, um, with the with the way that I saw it, looked just absolutely gorgeous. Um, the only like thing that really like was um, about the movie that I liked, like. Uh, it was the scene where he just come back come back from Columbia, I think, when he finds out or after Will Smith tells him that like tries to tell him that he's a clone and that they're the same person. And so he confronts Clive Owen about it and he starts crying and he says for like the fourth time that we've heard it in the movie, you made a oh, yeah. person. I was like walking in from the bathroom at that point. Oh, of course you were. <laughs> Uh, I saw the part where he cried. Yeah, when but again, like for the fourth time in the film, we hear you made a person from another 
person. For some reason, the big emphasis on the word yeah, person. Yeah, I don't know why they emphasize that so much. <laughs> I thought there like, should have been. The emphasis in that word is really weird. Yeah. Like, I, I, I was kinda... like, do you not understand what sex is? That's kind of the same thing, buddy. I think you could make a drinking game out of every time that they said either that or Will Smith or any other character saying, he looks exactly like you or he looks exactly like me. Like, how many times they all sounded so dumbfounded by that? Like, so many times throughout the film. Like, okay, you've, you're still dumbfounded by this. Like, you've already seen him once. Like, yeah. you don't have to repeat Dude, yourself so many times. The the thing that's funny is, like, I don't really think the story is even all that confusing. But I had a hard time following it at some points because I was just so bored. I'd check out. Oh, okay. I got one thing to say about that, <laughs> but um, but no, the one scene that actually came close to like being like an actually touching scene for me. And I want to tie this into like the, how the CGI looked too, because like I'm curious how I would want to talk to a visual effects artist about like how they de-aged Will Smith, but still like al- allowed him to like cry I and think, actually have emotion with it. I think they did with something it. with his voice, because his voice was kind of distracting. So I was like, dude, you pitch changed it. No, there. Well, uh, well, there there was that too. Like I saw a little bit of behind the scenes about like how not only did they like alter his face just enough to take 20 years off of him, but they they did. Uh, not ADR, but they did take his voice and actually like auto-tuned it a, just a little bit to make him sound more like how he did, like during like the Fresh Prince of Bel Air times, like in the nineties. Yeah, and it was it it was kind of noticeable. Well, it's I mean noticeable, but I don't think noticeable in a bad way. I think I thought in a bad way. I was like, that doesn't sound natural to me. I didn't think I I I'll disagree. I don't think it was that. It is noticeable, but I thought it did a pretty good job emulating like. Is it, like, perfect 100%? No, but, like, the fact that, like, we're already at this point, when back in 2017, we had that really, really horrendous uh, Rogue One, uh, I always forget his name, uh, um, who was it, the the General... Um, General Hel- Grand Moff Tarkin or whatever? Yeah, General Tarkin. The fact that we've already gone this far from, like, having ugly General Tarkin, like a PS3 character, to this Will Smith, and then next month we're going to see how it looks with uh, The Irishman too. like, the leaps and bounds with the technology we're taking. Like, I can't even imagine what two years ago, two years from now is going to yeah. be looking, it's going to look like when we still use this kind of de-aging, or, I mean, if you even call it de-aging, like... If we just called it like face melding or like face man, facial manipulation CGI makeup, yeah. Um, but no, like that scene. I don't know. That scene was the closest to it being anything remotely interesting or emotionally connected with me. Because like that realization that he had to have been going through. Like I, I was starting to connect with, but then that was the peak for the acting for me. Was specifically Will Smith there because Kyle Owen just is so phoned in and he's so cliched and he might as well be twirling like an old timey mustache like the villain in the uh rocky and bullwinkle cartoons like i just uh, yeah i hated one of the why don't you just shoot him moments throughout the movie like yeah dude they they can kill clone will smith twice and almost all the problems go away and they don't and then clone will smith can shoot him shoot clive owen and he doesn't and then will smith has him in his sights so like dude just shoot him and then Will Smith's like, no, you don't want to kill him because of the demons. And then he, and then Clone Will Smith gives Will Smith the gun, and Will Smith, like old Will Smith, kills him. It, dude, it's <laughs> well, he sees, he sees. It makes sense narratively. I'm not, I'm not trying to add any more 
quality to this. But I can understand on paper the fact that he sees a person from another person, but this person is him. So I can understand where he's coming from, where he kind of wants to use this as like a cathartic redemption to allow this pseudo son to not really go down the same path that he did, because he says at the very beginning about how there's the nightmares, how there's the ghosts, how he can't do it anymore because on the train, I mean, he's and he was right about the train. Like, if he missed, his yeah, shot but there's by a really dumb, there's a really dumb thing he says about that too. He's like, there was a little girl. If I'm off by six inches, I kill a little girl. You're a sniper. You have to shoot in crowds all the time. How is this train thing any different? Well, it's the it's it's he's at that point though. Again, on paper, I get it. Like, it's not. Well, no, it's no, not no, no. I, I, I get, I get, I get. His conscience finally caught up with him. The sentence they gave to prove it is what's stupid. Wait, say the say the that one more time then. Like, I get he has a conscience. Yeah. Like that he's developing a conscience. They they say that's a problem with with their soldiers. Yeah, of course. Is that they have a conscience in it, and it, uh, and they think, and they just want you know feelingless, thinkingless robots, except they're humans that are as good as Will Smith. Yeah. I get that. Just maybe don't like have the sentence where he's justifying getting out being I could kill a child on accident. Oh. You could accidentally <laughs> kill any civilian ever. Yeah. No, for like, sure. You're at this. You're at this level I'm that not, you're I'm shooting not say, somebody. I'm not saying. The, I'm not saying the the point. I'm not saying the point's a dumb point. I'm saying that sentence is stupid. Yeah. No, and I. And it's and he says it within the first five minutes of the movie. Yeah. And as soon as he said it, I went, "Oh no! It thinks it's being smart, and it's going to happen <laughs> the whole movie, isn't it?" <laughs> oh, you think you're smart? Oh, <laughs> Aww, it's stupid. <laughs> is, um, is he supposed to be? stupid no it's advanced oh my god that is literally this movie in a nutshell ang lee telling the audience no it's advanced <laughs> yeah it's literally just someone sitting there going no no i'm deep trust me I'm like no you're not dude like this is really surfacy yeah um, oh dude for sure like i'm not again i'm not tr- i'm just trying to come at it in the context of like where i see it wanted to say something but it's like you read the script like one time. I can time. too. It just did such a terrible job. Yeah, it's like, it's like a stage play where you read the script one time and then you have to go out there and basically like wing it because yeah. obviously you didn't memorize it or like understand yeah. what you were reading. It and dude, it rips off. So I'm 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 gonna talk about the video game. It rips off. It rips off. Right, uh, you, Star Wars: The Force Unleashed two pretty bad. Uh, when did that come out? Like mid thousands. We were in high school or no, we were freshmen in college, I think. Oh, I was all the way in 2011. Yeah. Oh, I thought so, I, I thought it was I thought it was like mid late thousands, like still. So in the that game's not even that good. <laughs> um, but I've seen the story done better eight years ago. Um, in that one, the big thing is whether you can clone Jedi and whether the main character is a is a clone or not. Um, but the reason that I said it really rips off the game is at the end when they have the one guy that comes in with the mask and he's like twirling and flipping and shooting a shotgun and all that weird stuff. Um, as like I called it pretty early in the movie too. I was like, he's he's not the only clone. Like I was like, there's no way he's the only clone because why would they only make one? Yeah. Um, and when as soon as that character like because he like gives him that thing like he's like go to the left. 
and then he starts running down the building and jumping and like some of the worst CGI that this movie offers. Um, oh my God, that's that, man. Okay. They held on it too. That wasn't the, that wasn't the shot I thought you were gonna say, but I completely agree. Like even like in my viewing of it, when he's just like power running like through the street, and it's just like I agree that CGI Parkour. was that CGI um, was horrible. But um, anyway. As, as soon as he starts running, I was like, oh, well, there's the other clone. And shocker it is. And that clone's like shooting at them and trying to kill them. In Star Wars The Force Unleashed, um, there's a good ending and an evil ending that you can pick. And if you pick the evil ending, you have Darth Vader, like one of his arms cut off and you've got his lightsaber away from him. And you've broken his suit and he's barely alive. And you have the chance to let him live and get let him get arrested or you can kill him. And if you choose the one to kill him, another clone of Starkiller is using the force to cloak himself somehow. And then he just stabs your character and then and then he goes, you think you were the only clone? I just said you were the first. Blah, 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 blah. And like, dude, <laughs> this... This this movie ripped this movie made a movie or this this story made a story out of another story. <laughs> um yeah, like that game's not that great. Um but I've seen it I've seen this story done better 8 years ago in a video game. I, and yeah. I realized that's where it was going pretty early and I was like, "Oh god, don't don't do this. Please don't do this." Give me something new and original. And then Angley's like, look at how good these cameras are. Like, dude, if I, I'm being serious, if I wanted to watch a tech demo, I would like this movie can really be summed up. Like one of the first shots, I think it's the first shot on the subway platform looks like a shot at that would be on a on a 4K TV at Best Buy showing how clear the picture is because oh, so, it's such it's such smooth movement there's so many like, many shots like that like so many dude if i if i wanted that i would just go to best buy for free tell phil trying to hawk tvs hey buzz off man i'm not interested in buying i'm just waiting for uh my fiance to get done at barnes and noble next door and i'd move on with my day but no i paid eight bucks to see this yeah, like, I This is this is a stupid movie. It it is really a gigantic waste of time. And I feel bad like dude, like there we're not really elaborating on much, but there's nothing to talk about with this movie. Nothing happens. It's it's it, like I have never seen an action movie that is so intent on talking and explaining so many things while all, while simultaneously telling us nothing about any of the characters. I, this movie, yeah. this movie could have had half an hour cut out of it. I agree. Like you mentioned it earlier, where um, you were already like kind of checked out, so like something like didn't make sense and it didn't even matter. Like, and I yeah, agree. I'm yeah, I'm pretty sure the stuff I didn't understand was just because it was so boring. I mentally checked out for chunks. Well, no, I was one thing that I kind of just gave up trying to like make more sense of was like exactly like what these names within the government were like. Uh, the DIA and then who I had a hard time understanding exact motivations of why they wanted to kill Will Smith. Oh my God. That was not very clearly explained at all. Like in, at the I end was of the... like, Oh, it's a retaliatory thing. And then, uh, then 
what's weird is they make it seem like it's a retaliation for him killing that one guy and then they're also making it sound like the u.s government wants to kill him and they're going to try and make it look like it was a like it was because of him trying of him killing the one guy and then they go throughout the movie and it's like wait is this actually a retaliatory thing or did they give up on that no it's a strangely like unnecessarily like uneven way to get to will smith dying like to the to the best that i could try to explain it was that like something about people defecting from gemini um or had been associated with gemini and then like left for whatever reason they were by the way uh i just remembered and i'm gonna forget if i don't tell you now i remember a couple of months ago telling you i was like yeah it used to play on usa all the time at some show about a spy that like is no longer a spy the show was called burn notice and i remembered it through this movie because they kept going oh your 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 apartment's burned we have to find a new one your phone is burned you have to find a new one like they said it every three seconds oh yeah and her nickname was toast right that was yeah yeah. this was that's funny like like, (laughs) the payoff the payoff is here we finally know what that show was (laughs) Yeah, thanks, Gemini Man. At least you weren't the biggest waste of time possible. Um, um but no, the. Uh, but yeah, dude, like. But no, the let I, me tr- let me try. Like, if this is like this is the best that I could explain. Like, people were a part of Gemini, this project run by Clive Owen, and then they were left defected. I don't remember. Is it a project or is it a company? That's something I don't understand either. I. Because th- uh, it says Gemini on the side of the truck, and he's like, Gemini can handle this. And it's like, oh, are no, you I saying think, I th- I think Will you're right. Smith is Gemini, or is your company Gemini? No, I'm so confused. I think you're right. I think it is a company that was like having a contract with the government, but then some defectors or people that got fired, like they ended up being targeted by the government. And they told Will Smith that they were like just people associated to like terror cells. And then. To cover their tracks for setting those assassinations up, they had to kill him to cover those tracks, and that way all these people ended up just kind of disappearing, and then Gemini can come in through the government, through the funding, and now be the ultimate army to, like, settle all conflict in the world for what Will Smith said was to relieve families here at home of any, like, grief or, like, PTSD, like, things like that. And, and, And honestly, like, it raises an interesting point. The problem is it spends 30 seconds explaining that, and it doesn't do it for the rest of the two-hour runtime. And by the point that it explains it, it's at the very end, when you're ready to leave because this movie sucked. What was the, yeah, there was no point in shroud keeping that in a shroud of mystery, like, because all Clive Owen does is just smirk and sneer and just, like, we have Who's to get in. Who's the bad in. guy? The guy that's, the guy that's uh, secretly illegally cloning a guy so that he that's the best soldier ever so that he can send him over and then people won't have pete come back with ptsd and kill others and kill themselves the other the one where the or they also won't have their family member killed and not sent back or guys that have ir- irreparable body damage and they have to suffer for the rest of their lives see like, if where this, is this message coming from if why this, is this being said in the last 30 seconds of your life you why wasn't this introduced you know the moment you came on screen Yes, the fact that there's they completely his motivation them. makes no sense until then, and, and and by that point you're like just like I'm not kidding you. I'm I, I feel bad for the guy that was two seats over from me because at at this point where he's saying that I was like just shoot him in the head. Yeah, like, they could, just shoot him so the movie can end, please. I want to go home. 
they completely whiffed on the opportunity of making him a pretty interesting character. Like, a complete waste of Clive Owen's time. They completely time. whiffed on the idea of making anything interesting at all. Yeah. I I agree. Like, I still... I, I clearly don't hate it as much as you do, but I mean, like... Um, but no, well, I'm well, still... Okay, it's, it's, not like, it's not like La Llorona or uh, Captive State, where, like, the thing that sucks is this movie's terrible... But it it is it's just like bad at only three things because it only put three things in the movie. Yeah, the movie is very surprisingly like, thin. Captain having... State was fascinating how stupid it was, and La Llorona was fascinating. It was just like, wow, you really bet on these things, didn't you? This one was just like, this is boring as hell. Hearing you like, say I, that, I feel I it's, no, I he... felt nothing this whole movie. I didn't like. I'm not kidding. As soon as they would start the dramatic music to try and get your uh, heart rate up for, for an action scene, I would just be like, okay. And then nothing happened for five minutes. Hearing you say this really puts it into a great perspective. For a movie that has as complicated an assassination plot as the center of the film, this movie is about as thin as a cracker. This is... Dude... It- this movie, this movie really thinks is such it's a disappointment. deep and meaningful. It really does. No, I agree. And any any glimmer of meaning literally showed up less than a minute after that character gets shot in the face. Yeah. And like, like I liked uh, what was it Mariano or whatever like his his spotter that gets shot. I love these like they're not going to come for me. I was like you're an espionage dude. That's exactly what they do, and that's exactly what you know they do. And then he gets shot. Yeah. Like, you, you idiot. <laughs> Yeah. Um, this movie sucked. Don't go see it. Don't give it money. Yeah. Don't give it any attention. It's not... It, I don't think the performances are as bad as Dan does, but there, there's nothing great in this movie that's worth seeing. If you want to go see something that looks really, really nice, just go to Best Buy and stand in front of the TVs for 15 minutes. Um, and if you want to see this story, just play Star Wars Force Unleashed 2. If I would recommend only seeing this if you have... Oh, by the way... By the way, since I know we're wrapping up, the found footage movie I alluded to earlier that I don't really want to talk about because I never saw it, but I thought of it as soon as it happened. Uh, as above, so below. They go in the catacombs for like 15 minutes. Oh! Or it felt like 15 minutes. I've actually seen that movie. And uh, I've never seen it. It's it's not as bad as you're expecting, but it's not good. It's <laughs> not that bad. <laughs> Is it good? No. No, that's the best. I mean, honestly, like, like that's the best way that I could put it is that it was not as bad as I was expecting, but it still ended up just being like, oh, okay, well, that wasn't any good. Like, there was nothing yeah. special about that. Like, yeah, but it, skip this movie. And honestly, sorry, this review was not honestly that entertaining compared to our other ones. Like, Nick, apparently, Nicolas Cage was tied to this movie. There's the Nicolas Cage moment for this. But can we please stop talking about this movie? I. I will, yeah, I'm okay with moving on from this too. Um, the I would recommend seeing this if you do want to indulge in seeing this technology in the best way that like you can. Like I know offhand, there's all kinds of variations of like you can go see it in IMAX in 120, but it's in 2D, or you can do what I did where it's in 3D but it's in 60 frames, or you can just see it on a normal screen or you can do like literally like a scrabble board. You can just shake it in like that combination somewhere near you. Um, Did I tell you what I told my dad about the movie? No. What, what happened? 
I said, I was like, I was like, hey, the only the only way I'd recommend seeing this movie is if you got a 4K TV and you want to see what it can do, and then just mute the movie and watch YouTube, and then occasionally look up and see how nice your TV looks, and then go back to watching YouTube. <laughs> I like it. That's funny. <laughs> um, this movie sucks. Yeah, this movie's this movie's bad. I just if you want to indulge with the technology, like I said, outside of that, there's not really a reason to. And I just I want. To make a plea for to Ang Lee, Mr. Stop making these kind of movies. Actually, put effort into the story and character development. You hack, Mr. Lee. You can do this. We've seen you do this before. You made me cry from Brokeback Mountain, and I cried even harder that you lost the Oscar for Best Picture. I was so happy that you won an Oscar again for Life of Pi because that was my favorite film of 2012. Why can't you make any movie that's good besides those two and Crouching Stop Tiger, Hidden Dragon? Stop trying to be a visual visionary and actually develop a story. Be a visionary with the good story. You didn't – I mean, I mean, yes, you did do like CGI boundary pushing with Life of Pi, nothing with the camera side, but – if, if it's this hard for you to develop stories and characters – don't make so many movies. Just take more time in between them, so you can actually take time to put effort into making them good. There, uh, yeah. Just I, I, I will defend you to the day I die because of Brokeback Mountain and Life of Pi and Crouching Tiger. But stop putting out movies like Gemini Man, Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk, and The Hulk, please. <laughs> I want to like your movies again. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. I'm done. We can move on. It's time for us to take a break. We'll take a breather, and then we'll come back, and we'll talk about uh, not Jexy. Uh, we pulled an audible, and we decided to call, pull Jexy <laughs> because the we're schedule. Like, Look, we're, we're already going to have to record four movies or four reviews because uh, of Star Wars. And I was like, and frankly, I know I'm going to hate Gemini Man because I thought it looked stupid as hell before I went into it. I was like, is there any way – that we can just not go to that movie so I can leave. Because I'm going to have to wait an hour and five minutes for it. And it's like, yeah, honestly, I didn't even know when I was going to have time to watch it. Yeah, my schedule is a little – well, both of our schedules are a little crazy. We didn't even realize that at the time. But now in reality, it's just like, oh, my God, we have to watch five movies. So um, yeah. we've cut Jexy. Uh, we're going to take a very brief break. and <laughs> So sorry for whoever was looking forward to that. <laughs> the five people that are not even just listen, just listen to our reaction for the trailer you'll get our thoughts on on what that movie was going to be like exactly uh but yeah we'll, when we come back here in a second we're going to be talking about um another netflix movie uh it's been kind of it's, it's we haven't had two netflix movies in a row uh before so or is would this be our second week with a netflix film in a row uh because we had ferns last week wasn't it was it last week? I don't know. No, Time. that wasn't last week. Okay, well, forget that part. Last then. week was Joker. Ferns was the week before. Right. Okay. Well, forget I said that. We're taking a brief sec, brief break now, and when we come back, we'll be talking about the Netflix event film El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie starring Aaron Paul reprising his role from the amazing, amazing series. We'll be right back. All right, everybody, welcome back. 
instead of talking about Jaxi, we're going to go to Netflix. And we are going to watch a film we almost forgot was coming out. Or at least I did. Um, <laughs> and it skipped theaters. It is the follow-up to the Breaking Bad series that was on AMC. El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie. It is brought to us from series creator who served as writer and director on this, Vince Gilligan. If you notice in the credits, nearly all of the Breaking Bad producers from the show came back to help produce this. And it brings Which back... Which is why I find it interesting that AMC had nothing to do with this. Well, I got an answer to that. Um, but okay. anyway, the film also brings back numerous people who were in supporting roles uh, in the show, along with, now front and center this time, Aaron Paul, who won three Emmy Awards for his performance on the show. Um, real quick, I'll answer what you just brought up. Um, Sony television productions actually produced the show but then had a deal with amc to actually distribute it like if you notice a lot of shows aren't made by the channel that actually airs them um it's not it's not really worth diving more specifically than that but it to my knowledge amc is going to air it and eventually like there's some pack that they made with netflix that they'll actually get to air it on amc i don't know when but I just I heard yeah I heard through the grapevines that they were gonna have some sort of shared like it may not be in the near future but I heard AMC was going to get allowed to air it um, I just don't know when is this also since you know more about like the news of this one rumor I heard is that there was three Breaking Bad movies in progress is that true I remember that rumor but I don't know how much progress had been made on any of okay. those um I remember a while ago reading about that but I thought they kind of just settled in yeah the... last I heard it was like a year ago yeah I think I feel like like it was it was actually close to around the time we started doing this right I f- it was close to a year I ago. feel like that may have just come out of the rumor mill when this was still in secret like being filmed in secret because I mean okay dude, this came out of literally nowhere like we knew that something was getting made but then almost simultaneously like the, the trailer dropped the poster dropped and the title dropped part of me wonders part of me wonders if they would have wouldn't have just put this on Netflix if it wasn't for uh Odenkirk in that interview well this was going to be on Netflix regardless but the information yeah. coming out as early as it was i feel like I, I don't know. It's all speculation as to if they wanted it to just drop out of the blue, like Cloverfield Paradox. But yeah, um, Cloverfield <laughs> Cloverfield Paradox wasn't supposed to be on Netflix. Paramount just kind of gave up on it because the test audiences' reactions were so poor. Um, <laughs> but that, <laughs> Paramount the, did what the people that made Holmes and Watson should have done. <laughs> yeah, uh, but that's neither here nor there. Um, our quick spoiler-free hot takes on the film. Um, I'm only going to give this a full pan, and I guess in a sentence, it doesn't tarnish anything that Breaking Bad did, and it doesn't really overstay its welcome, if that's the right way to phrase it. it. It works in its own way, like, we don't need it, but it's not bad. It's it, it what it does is it doesn't it doesn't ruin anything while simultaneously not improving it. Yeah, like it's it's pretty good. Like it's basically like a two hour episode, like an epilogue. Like that's the best way to phrase it. It's, and it's not bad at all. Like 
it's slow for sure, but that's kind of its yeah. um, that's kind of its thing. Like taking advantage to like tell out this much bigger story than could be condensed into a forty or fifty minute episode. Like, I mean, that's really the only like really big thing I have against it is that it's just kind of slow and it doesn't really like have as big a like payoff as I was expecting come the ending. But it was nice to just really just get something back uh into the breaking bad world because yeah i had missed it like the show was phenomenal it was one of the best shows i've ever seen so it's not in the if we considered it like its own episode it's not a top 10 episode for sure but um getting this kind of closure on jesse and letting vince gilligan actually write it and make it on record versus just all the speculation that we've been making in the what six years it's been since the finale episode or no not six not that long ago but um more like what three years ago was the finale uh i was in college yeah i was at full sale i remember watching it i feel like it was in 2013 i was in college when that happened wasn't it 20 oh whatever like six years ago let's say yeah 2013 or 14 probably but yeah it was it does it did it's breaking bad thing well enough like it did they it definitely didn't skip a beat and um i mean again it for however you take the payoff maybe you like the payoff more than i did personally but um aaron paul is still the man vince gilligan's still a great director and a great writer overall um you won't be disappointed it's just uh, like I said, it's not it's not like a top ten episode of the series, but getting this kind of closure was nice, and that that in itself is enough for me to give it a full pan and a decent recommendation. Yeah, I liked it. I'm I'm gonna give it a full pan as well. Um, it's like I said, it doesn't it doesn't ruin anything, but it doesn't improve anything. It it just really it's it's one I would say it's a it's a pretty like slightly above average episode of the show. Um, it has, it has its, you know, hallmark standout moments. Um, but as a whole, one of the main detractors for me is it the kind of the main villain that's introduced at some point in the movie, uh, is a new character. Um, I don't remember that person at all from the show. Um, I was going to ask you if he was because I didn't watch that recap before the movie. I just jumped right into it and it was just like, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's new. Okay. I really do not remember that guy at all. Wasn't Never mind. I'll, I'll get into it in the spoiler section. I'll let you finish your thoughts. Um, but it, you know, it's good. It it's, I would say it's probably like, in terms of an example of a full pan, it probably exemplifies what a full pan is for for us really, really well. Um, it's a movie that uh, does like Dan said, doesn't overstay its welcome. Um, the the uh, I would say the ending of it is very, very good uh, intensity. Um, I mean, I, I knew what was going to happen, but um, what I find interesting is throughout the movie, you're kind of reminded of how Jesse is kind of a submissive alpha, where if someone can out-alpha him, he becomes the beta, 
but he has he has no problem being an alpha in general um, until like maybe Walt or someone else kind of like is more domineering over them. Um, but I really like it full pan and I'm, I'm ready to get to, to spoilers so we can kind of talk about a few yeah, things. Um, so spoilers from here on out. And also I'm going to throw this out here. Sorry if I sound misinformed. I don't know if Nick did this too, but I skipped the series recap cause I just wanted to, I did not know there was one. Yeah. When you start, when I started it, um, it wanted to play like a four minute recap of the whole series. And I'm just like, nah, I remember enough. So it, dude, I didn't get that. That's weird. Did you I feel ripped off? It was. I mean, I was watching it on my laptop, so maybe it wasn't on the. I had it on TV, and I bet I know what it was, because I've had Netflix do this before. It probably was like, here's a trailer, and then it's like the recap. Oh, uh, maybe. Um, but yeah. So if I'm misinformed about something, or if Nick's m- misinformed, if it really bothers you that much, go ahead and email us browniepointsguidecinema.com. We will appreciate any corrections, and maybe we'll read them on the air, unless you're just kind of snarky. So. Um, Honestly, if you're snarky, I, I will encourage us reading it <laughs> because I will destroy you. <laughs> right. <laughs> so um, the big thing that you brought up that I want to go ahead and start this on with is um, that villain. Like I vaguely remember based on the scene when they made that kind of rig that um, Jesse that they were trying to have Jesse break just by running like back and forth to tr- test the durability on. I yeah. vaguely remember that in the show or something like what, that in the show. What was in what was in the show with that scene was when um, Todd is it Todd or Tom? Discount Matt Damon's character. Is it Todd? Oh, just uh Jesse something. No. No, no, no. His name's Todd. Cuz I remember he's the kid that shoots the ch- he's the guy that shoots the child in the train heist. And then Jesse is like, calls him a psychopath. He's like, that psychopath, Todd. Yeah, it's Todd. Um, but uh, Todd in the movie, like. No, I was saying I was saying the actor's name, but yeah. Oh, Todd. Todd in the movie, um, or in the show, takes Jesse there, and he's like, this is where you're going to be cooking, and he like hooks him up to it, and he goes, don't try anything funny. Or maybe it was Todd's uncle, but he's like, don't try anything funny. And they show a picture that they know who Jesse's like girlfriend and the and the kid is. Um, so that's that. And then when Walt, okay, we're in the spoiler section anyway. So Walt dies at the end of the series. You've had six years. Um, but when Walt dies, he goes into that meth lab. That's the only time I actually remember anything with that meth lab in the series because it it only shows up for two episodes, I think. I, I honestly I'm when Jesse gets kidnapped and then when Walt comes to to quote unquote rescue him okay I'll take your word for it because I kind of don't remember but um I wanted to segue that into um the guy being brand new like pres- assuming that he's brand new yeah I I'm gonna agree with you that that also is kind of like kind of undercuts like the tension with it a little. I- I really wish that it would have been Jesse going like not going after, but like maybe have it, maybe have it be Skylar because she was such a jerk to him throughout the whole series that maybe he that now that he can't go after Walt, maybe he takes his anger out on Skylar because she was mean to him and she's something to Walt. Well, I like it just 
I, I don't know. I just don't, I, I just don't like that it was someone new, but they did such a good job finishing so many things off in the series. I don't know who he could go after that was in the series. Well, I like the general story that it had. Like, it's definitely padded for what the story is, yeah. but I, I kind of like the whole um, – the, the whole gist of the movie is the padded. I thought it was uh, Vince building atmosphere really well. He does, but at the same time, like for how simple the story is, like I can surmise it with Jesse's on the run. He needs money to meet that guy from the series that he blew off before, and he has to get it from drug dealers, and that's it. Like that's the plot in a nutshell. Yeah, and it didn't need to be like two hours long. Like this movie could have definitely been like an hour 40 and been fine. Like it's not that I don't like anybody's performance in the film, but well, what the, the part that I would think that they could cut out was a lot of the stuff with his flashbacks to Todd. But at the same time, like it really builds the atmosphere. Well, because it's so much through flashback that it shows you the torment he went through. Cause Todd, the thing that's really weird about Todd is Todd, throughout a lot of his time on the show, comes off as really normal. And then once he kills the kid, he doesn't change. And then they're like, but he's capable of murdering a child. So, like, the the scene with the in the show, the scene with the ice cream gave me the same chills as when Todd's cooking the soup after having killed his housekeeper. And he's like, yeah, she found my money. It's like you're an animal man that's interesting like, that you say that you you just kill people yeah at will. I, f- I forgot that specific scene that you were talking about but no i i completely agree like that's what's really brilliant about um jesse plemons that's his actor's name why i was trying to say jesse is so good discount matt damon yeah <laughs> he is so good in this role like i'm so glad he's gotten a career out of uh his life since this role, like being in the black mirror episode and, um, Fargo for that. He one was, season. he was, re- I liked him in black, uh, black mass. I liked him in that. Yeah, no, he was, he was, and he's just as good in this. Like, um, I texted you when we were watching this though. Like I didn't realize so he much. He was of, in a, he was in one of the seasons of Fargo too. Yeah. That's why I was saying he was in season two. Wasn't he, he was, he was married to Kristen or Kirsten Dunst. Yeah. I think. Yeah. It was that season. Um, but yeah, uh, that's what I was saying though, about like, um, tying this into the flashbacks was that I didn't realize that so much of this was going to be on flashbacks. And, um, well, again, there's like nothing really like bad about any of the scenes that are executed, but like in terms of just like keeping the story going, like nothing's like revelationary. Yeah. It's all, it was all, it was all showcases for these actors. His flash, what are his flash, what are his flashbacks? Todd's insane. And he was abused like crazy and and forced to make meth and and treated with and put in terrible conditions. We knew that from the show. They're just explaining like, this is what they actually did to him. And it's like, oh, yeah, everything was terrible. We got that from the show. You didn't actually, like, it's not that you didn't have to explain it. It's just, like, you didn't give me any new information by, like, this movie, honestly, now that I think about it, this movie is just, like, a collection of deleted scenes. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's an <laughs> made it's into an ep- a movie. It's an epilogue filling in the blanks that we didn't really see from Jesse's perspective, plus him getting out. Like, I really liked the, those scenes in the movie more. Like, him actually... 
um, it right after the series finale. Like, yes, the flashbacks add some context and some nuance to like things that we've seen in the show, but really, like, I just want to see what happened to Jesse, and um, yeah. and it's still. I I really liked. Um... Speaking of what happened to Jesse, I really like when he gets to uh, Skinny – is it Skinny Pete? Yeah. Skinny Pete and Badgers. Um, the clear mental trauma that he's dealing with, like, he uh, he has severe PTSD from it. But um, he, gets to, he gets to Skinny Pete's and he goes to sleep and then he wakes up and he's just having – because of, like, the shadows that are being cast, he's having flashbacks to when he was in the cage – and he like starts trying to escape out the window, and then when the two of them come to check on him, he pulls a gun on his two best friends, and then uh, in the shower he starts showering, and then has a flashback to them uh, washing him off with a fire hose, and he immediately shuts the water off. Um, that stuff was really interesting, and if they could have dealt with what his life was like more after that, instead of just like. This is him figuring out how he's going to get re- get revenge before he gets out of town. If they could have spent more of just like, this is what he, he's going to personally have to deal with for the rest of his life, I think it would have been an improvement. I I think it, I think it still at least leaves you with that thought that like he's going to still have to carry not just that, but everything that happened. Like, that's what, um, oh, um what's his name uh the security guy at the very first shot of the movie mike yeah that's what mike was saying at the beginning though is that that's the one thing you can't do kid you can't uh fix anything you can't undo anything you just have to move on to this new life and reinvent yourself and that was where they were at it, uh, again it's been a while since i've seen the whole series i've seen the whole series through like three times but the last time was maybe like three years ago um but it looked like right before mike died like that looked like the river where he fights with walt and then he gets shot maybe that's it that that probably i think you're right because that did look extremely familiar like i was i did have trouble placing exactly when that was but the time shift after that kind of made me just forget about it but yeah um um was let me let me ask this then um out of all the cameos like and supporting roles let's say too like out of all of those roles because i mean it's pretty clear at least to me that jesse or, or uh uh aaron paul this was a showcase for him and he yeah. did and he hit a home run aaron paul just owns this character and was the best part of the film in terms of acting but which cameo were you like most impressed with or more most surprised with um, if that's not two questions. Um, most impressed, I would say Todd, because the the thing about Todd is, with impressed, what was impressive is his character is one of those where you have to walk a really fine line because if you over-explain some stuff, he stops see- seeming so normal but twisted. Um, and he has a really big chunk in the first half of the movie where he's in it. Um the most surprising, though, would be would be Walt's in this movie. Um, but what they show in that flashback, what was surprising to me is it wasn't, you know, it wasn't Jesse remembering something bad. And it wasn't Jesse remembering some huge landmark event. Um, 
Jesse and Walt had a very strange relationship in the show because I think Jesse was one was looking up to Walt as, you know, he's a criminal, but he's a father figure. But also Walt weirdly treated Jesse like a son, but he had no patience for if the son fought back. He's like, oh, well, screw it. Who cares? Um, well, Walt also went full Sith Lord by the end of the show, too. Yeah, but what I thought was interesting about about this cameo was or this appearance was what they were talking about. It had virtually nothing to do. Like it's back when they had the Winnebago. Um, it and I it was before. Was it before Tuco? I feel like this was. I feel like this had to have been like maybe. Um, this was either right before Tuco or right after Tuco. I feel like this had to have been like right after Tuco. Like yeah. I don't remember the exact context in the show where where this would have been because he does say where where are we gonna get rid of all this meth? And yeah. he's like, oh, sorry, I don't know anybody that happens to have 1.2 million on their debit card debit card or yeah. something like that. But the and also the but the amount of money they have makes me think it was after Tuco. Um, but what I find interesting is it it really shows the, like the uh, familial bond that they have. Like in the first season when Jesse's talking to him about cancer and he, he sees the dots on uh, on Walt's chest. Um, the moment where it suddenly gets really we- really uh, very real when Jesse just goes, I promise you, no matter what, your family is gonna get every dime that is coming to them from this from this deal like the hey you could drop dead in 20 minutes i'm gonna make sure they get your half um i found it 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 felt very like it brought peace to something that i didn't know i really wanted um late in the show especially the last season um is the most like the last yeah the last season is when uh, Walt and Jesse are the most contentious because um, J- Jesse, you know, he's he's talking to the DEA and he's trying to cut a deal and he's like, he can't keep getting away with being this monster that he is. Um, you forget that at some point, deep down, as little as they did, they really did care about each other to a certain level. Uh, like, they were like a very dysfunctional married couple um, in terms of the as much anger and hate as they had for each other, they still did care. Like, yeah, early in the series, there's the, the thing where Walt tells him he means nothing to him. He's just business. And then Jesse says, you said my cook was garbage. You mean nothing to me. I never, you took everything from me. I never want to see, see you again, that kind of stuff. But at this, they have a very like on off, uh, pretty emotionally manipulative and abusive relationship, but they, they do at some level care and almost love each other. Um, and the Walt cameo really drove that home because because of what Jesse says to him, and then Walt talking to him about like it's funny that at the end of the series Walt talks about I never intended to get out. I I did this for me. It, I always said it was for family. It was for selfish reasons, and you can tell he really just wanted the power, and he he got addicted to the adrenaline rush of always having to get get out after having such a boring life. Right. Um. And I find it interesting that he truly did 
see an end to this because he thought he was going to die. And so it's interesting to see. I think me and you, um, for background, me and you have had a very interesting kind of relationship with the show. Um, I think I saw it like two episodes of, of it before you and then texted you saying, you need to watch this because I'm like catching it at some point in the middle of the series. And this is phenomenal. It's, it's right up your alley. And then like two years later, I think you texted me saying, Hey, have you ever watched breaking bad? And I was like, yeah, I encouraged you to, uh, to see it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I will add my side of that before I answer my own question. I remember kind of, I had this habit when I was younger of jumping into shows like in the second or third season. And, I remember when you, were younger, you still do that. <laughs> I remember um, when you were younger, like a minute ago, like how young are we going, bro? Well, this was 2009. Yeah. Be- uh, because much like house where I didn't start house until it's third season. I remember I was on a Best Buy run because we didn't have streaming back then. Uh, back in my day. Um, and Best Best Buy, dude, me and Dan were addicted to the Blu-ray section of Best Buy when we were in high school and early college. Oh, I still remember going to Circuit City and flipping out over $15 DVDs. Um, yeah. Um, but I remember I was at Best Buy and there was some sale going on on the TV shows and Breaking Bad Season 1 and 2 were both like whatever relative dirt cheap it was back then. Like ten bucks. I think I remember you telling me about the sale. I think it was like ten bucks a, a Blu-ray set. Yeah. So I bought them and I watched them so fast. And season yeah. three either like just started or was just about to start. So yeah. I remember watching the show in real time all the way up to then. And it's it's as addicting as everybody says. Yeah. Like it's it's a it's kind of it's kind of a trope to say like the wire is the best show ever. Like. No, our generation's but, wire is Breaking Bad. And... But it, but it, it, you know, for me and Dan, we both love it. But for me personally, it really does tap into a fascination of the dark psychological uh, change in a person. Um, yeah, the crime and stuff like that. But I, the, the psych, psychological part really fascinates me in it. Um, but anyway, back back to kind of what I was saying was, in in the times I've rewatched the series, what's what is interesting is how it starts off dark it does start off very dark and it gets incredibly darker as the series progresses but when you go back to season one um you're like wow this doesn't really i mean it's dark but it doesn't seem that dark compared to what happens but the thing that is that i find very interesting to watch is until walt finds out he's going to survive how different his mentality is because originally it's i gotta get this money for my family um and my out is i'm for sure gonna die so as long as i can just prolong this to get as much money as possible for my family and get them set up after uh for after i die and then he's literally he literally sets him up he sets himself up so deep in this that the only way out is death he's like because i'm gonna die and then when he's like uh when they're like you're not dying it's like okay how do i just maintain this dude and how do i try like how do i grow but i also want to get out um so but then he but then he doesn't want to get out eventually because remember at the the very end when he finally admits to skylar 
I did it. Yeah, I, I yeah, I know. I, I said that. But what but what I mean is like for like two and a half seasons, he's trying to grow so he can get as much money. Right. And then also he's like, but I want to get out. And then eventually he's like, nah, screw this. I'm I'm too good at it. And he also got fired from his teaching job for sexually harassing some lady. Oh right. <laughs> um, but the uh the thing that's really interesting about that is this whole movie is after the darkest part of the series. Um, you know, we've seen kids get poisoned and shot. Uh, we've watched Walt just drive 50 miles an hour into two gangbangers that are coming to kill Jesse and then tell him to run. We watched um, Walt let somebody OD in front of him. We've we've watched him make a turret out of a sedan and a M60 machine gun. Uh, we've watched him bring down an entire large multi-billion dollar company. We watched him um, literally blow a guy's face off. Yeah. Face off. Um, but... So this, but this movie's taking after this show has made it to where it's like we know it's unbelievably dark, and it it in the middle of you know hey this is post everything that dark it suddenly takes you back to when it's when it's dark but it's not that dark, and that kind of you know in your face contrast I found that I found that scene fascinating, and the and. The fact that Walt's in it, I mean, don't get me wrong, Brian Cranston's a great actor, everything like that. It's fantastic, but it's it's it, it wasn't a wasted cameo, and, and none of the cameos are, but that cameo scene pulled so much weight for me that it really resi- resonated with it out of everything in the movie of like, that's a, such a standout moment is what that scene is conveying and discussing i couldn't i couldn't agree more with what you said that's uh that's a and i know it was really long-winded but it it's a very the reason it works for me is not on the surface of like oh walt's in it It, it, dude it could have not been walt but the fact that they bring in walt for such a meaningful scene is what blew me away from it Absolutely. I agree that that's definitely one of the best scenes in the whole film. Um, So for me, I guess supporting actor wise, while I do agree with you, having uh, uh, Jesse Plemons come back for his supporting role was pretty great. Um, I I did enjoy as sure long winded as it was. It's still a phenomenal performance. He's a low key, just one of the most underrated actors ever, at least currently working. Um, Yeah. I very, very much enjoyed, um, again, for the supporting role, um, the actor that did just pass away, um, I could have pulled him up while you were talking, but I didn't, so... For for 10 minutes. Yeah, I could have pulled him up right now, but um, I'm doing it now. Um, the guy that played the getaway driver, um, I can't oh, the, remember... Oh, the disappearing man? Yeah, um, I can't remember his name, but he just passed Discount away. Discount Arlie Ermey. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. But um I very much enjoyed his um his character in general. Um I I really liked how really subtle and small it actually uh Robert Forrester, here we go. Uh rest in peace Robert. Um he literally just died like three days ago. So mm-hmm. uh, or four days ago. So um but 
I almost forgot he was in the show. Like that this also made me really regret not watching the recap because when it showed the van, I was like that van Oh yeah, I I was like, Holy crap, that's the van. I was like, Why why do I remember this van vaguely? And it it all came back to me when he started confronting him about how they had the whole setup for him and then he bailed on it. Um Yeah. So that once that clicked I was like, oh, now I get it. And it just yeah. added that little bit of like, because none of these cameos and supporting roles were just like little nods to the audience, just like, hey, remember me? Like, they actually did a great job about building the story, like, as an yeah, actual like, epilogue Skinny, from the show. Skinny Pete and Badger, Skinny Pete actually grew as a character in the time off, because Skinny Pete, uh, so the movie's called El Camino because. The, th- the thing that's funny is I don't really remember seeing it at the end of the at the end of the show, but Jesse's getaway car is a uh, I don't know what the year is. It's a Chevy El Camino. Um, fun fact: that's the car I've wanted since like the first car I was dying to get since I was a little kid was actually a Chevy El Camino. Not this year because I want the one that has the front end that looks more like a Chevelle. Um, but um. Jesse's get gets away with it ends up being Todd's uh El Camino and then he takes he goes to Badger and uh Skinny Pete and Skinny Pete like they find out like they get the guy that's supposed to like the junkyard guy um they get him to come out and as soon as he gets out there and he's tracking it the low jack in the car gets activated which I find hilarious I was like you're a criminal and you put low jack in your car <laughs> it's a really dumb idea, but also it's a really nice car. I and you deal with a lot of shady people. I kind of get why maybe you'd put it in there. Um, but uh, skinny Pete, like the, the the guy's like, I can't take this card. Lojack just got activated. You need to run away from it and just go. And I like that skinny Pete goes. No, here's the plan. They know the car's here. Badger, you take my car. I'm going to tell him that I gave Jesse my car. You drive that to the Mexican border. Jesse, take Badger's car and just go do whatever you got to do, but get out of town as soon as possible. He's like, I'll stay here with the El Camino. They already know it's here, and they've already got to be sending like a SWAT team over. Um, Skinny Pete from the show was one of the dumbest people, um, and I would not trust to come up with a plan like that, but you can tell in the time that uh, Jesse's been away, he kind of became the alpha of their friend group. Yeah, he... Something happened where they got it together, where he got it together. And I really did like that, too, that little sweet moment where he said, because you look I looked up to you, man. You were the man. I like I was when just he's like, like, dude, you, that was you're my hero. And I was like, don't don't admit to that. Oh, I thought that was a sweet moment. I really <laughs> it was it was it was sweet. But I'm just saying, like, don't admit that a meth dealer is your hero. <laughs> I, I it's a really, really low goal. <laughs> well, he clearly was not. Uh, Who's your hero? The manager at my local McDonald's. <laughs> he clearly didn't win the life lottery, though. So. Yeah, and I'm not saying that McDonald's managers deal meth. It's just, it's a comparison. Right. Um, uh, but, but yeah. It, um, but no. What I was like. That's the thing. That's like we're kind of getting at though. Is like everything in this movie's great. It just. It doesn't screw anything up, but it doesn't add anything to the story, really. It just explains it more and then tells you, like, this is how Jesse gets away. He eventually gets the mo- – okay, so the movie is he it's he escapes. He goes to Todd's apartment to get his money, uh, and then 
when he starts finding the money, police come, turns and uh, arrest him. Turns out they're not police. They're people. They're criminals that worked with that uh, with that drug cartel. They split the money in thirds because there was two cops and Jesse. Hold on, can we talk? Um, can we talk dude, very a, briefly it's a about quick this scene though? Because like we'll go back to it. It's a quick story story recap. Uh, he gets that money. Yeah. Uh, turns out it goes to the disappearing man. Turns out it's not enough. He then contacts his uh, his parents, or he really he realizes the fake cops were the people that built the cage and the the meth lab that he was he was uh, in slavitude to. Um, he then tr- tr- goes to the guy that make him disappear. The disappearing guy's like, "You owe me for the last time that you ran off on, and this time that I do make you disappear." Um, he doesn't have enough money. The guy tells him leave. And then Jesse goes, contacts his parents, gets them to leave, and then takes their two guns, goes to the welding company, kills kills the the people that were mean to him, takes that takes that chunk of the money, goes to the guy, pays to get himself disappeared, uh, and then disappears to Alaska. And funnily enough, is in a sweater, <laughs> a turtleneck sweater, which is funny because he still looks like Aaron Paul as. Uh, as uh, Jesse, so like not clean shaven, not necessarily someone that you would think, oh, white turtleneck sweater, and then he gets out of a car and he's got it. I was like, that's funny. You probably should have shaved. Right. But that's um, your quick story recap. Right. Um, I, there are a couple scenes I want to talk about um, in the ending too. Like we need, a, we need to talk about the ending itself too. But before we jump to the ending, um, it just came to me um where i some of the slow really was like the scenes where it turned out that the police were actually other criminals mm-hmm. like i get that that build that sets up the fi- what will end up being the final confrontation at the end when which the reveal was, happens it's been built up to where they're actually cops that it subverts your expectations a lot yeah like some of the banter like um when they decide to split the money like i just that was kind of slow to me. Like I didn't to get to the resolution that it did and like how they, how they act so like confident and like, uh, in the role of the cops. But then when it turns out they're criminals, like it almost seemed like their intelligence actually just went out the window too. Like I kind of like, like, like I said, a lot of the stuff that has to deal with Todd and his apartment is the slow part. Yeah. Virtually any, and that, that to me, that to me is the part that really feels like, a movie built on deleted scenes like it felt like deleted scenes or at least concepts for scenes they had in the series that they just didn't film yeah it for sure slows down the most or or i mean i know they weren't because you can tell like aaron paul and discount matt damon are a little pudgier because they're older like that's the that's the only other grape is like i might hear people like oh you can tell it's after and i'm like yeah or you can tell it's several years after like yeah but dude you're not going to look exactly like you did five years ago, especially when at that time you're in your early, you were in your mid to late twenties, early thirties. So I'm not going to give him a hard time for that, but yeah, that's such a um, nitpicky thing. Like I don't hope, yeah, I hope people don't but, complain like in terms of that, like, cause it's, that's yeah. At least there's no digital de-aging controversy. Yeah. With it, that's but, a stupid thing to complain um, about. Not that you did, but yeah. But yeah, but like that literally, until he leaves, from the time that he leaves Badger's and goes to Todd's apartment, 
or for basically from the time he leaves uh, Skinny Pete's to the time where he's leaving Todd's apartment felt like unused footage slash story ideas from the series. Yeah. And it's not that they were bad. It's just one of those ones like this was cut for a reason. Yeah, it's that get it going a little bit. That's for sure. The biggest issue with the film, if it's even worth calling it an issue, is that like these guys just they they're not as bad as, say, like the mobsters that are. It's like saying my brownie that I got wasn't big enough. Like, well, you still got a brownie. Yeah, it's not as bad as like the mobsters that got sewn into the killing joke just to get that movie to barely 80 minutes. They're not that underdeveloped or bad, but yeah. Um, and it's not as horrendous as the addition to the Killing Joke with the Batman Barbara Gordon love thing. Y- oh my God, for sure. But it's it's a little underwhelming with them for sure. Like, and I, I honestly like that's why I wanted to bring it up was like the, those in agreement with you is that they're really the only detractors from this film from getting sprinkles for me is that like yeah. If they, I, I will say this. I think that chunk, uh, that chunk with Todd's apartment, the the amount it drags is why. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't get sprinkles from me. Uh, how clever was that though to take your fridge door apart and hide the money in there? It's Breaking Bad, man. They they uh, they are teaching people how to <laughs> smuggle stuff. <laughs> kind of like how people. Uh, could learn how to murder somebody by Dexter as long as they have enough patience yeah. to completely uh, wrap their room in plastic. Um. <laughs> and that was brought on by American Psycho. Well, Psycho just Psycho didn't American Psycho didn't do that. He just laid out some newspaper and got the guy drunk and was just like, "Hey, do you like no, this band?" No, he had he had a he had a plastic tarp. Did he have a whole plastic room? No, not a whole plastic room, but like everywhere that blood could splatter where that guy was at he had it in plastic oh, okay i th- that's uh, a movie that's worth doing in the time machine too is doing that yeah and it's streaming all the time so there's no reason we should yeah it's been a long time it's like been i was in college when i saw it but i liked it um but anyway um i want to jump to the ending now real quick uh to talk about um the the cameo from um oh i already forgot her character's name um uh, Jessica Jones. Um, I forgot her actress is uh, Kristen Ritter. What was Kristen Ritter's character's name? Oh my God. Uh, I don't know, but it's Jesse's girlfriend from like season two, the dark-haired girl landlord lady. The yeah, Kristen Ritter. Um, I forgot the character's name, but um, I wanted to talk about her, like that being the last thing that we see in the movie. I kind of like the way that you. Like that Maltz cameo um, brought you back to that time, like, and made you reminisce over that, uh, that early, at least that early part of that relationship. I kind of like that the film caps off the story with um, bringing back Jesse's girlfriend and thinking back to in season two that really last time of like pure innocence and any sense of like joy or like um having somebody to aspire to like help or like them being like the real fire in you to like this is why i want to do good at this like i'm driven because i love her and i want to help her and help us like bringing her back to 
I always thought she was the last person that Jesse truly loved and that when she died, his heart died. Um, cause I, I don't remember what his girlfriend's name was that had the kid. I always thought he just really, really liked her, but I thought he loved the, the girl from season two. And then I think, uh, the son that she had, I think the only reason he liked him was because he's like, Oh, I just don't have a relationship with my brother, but I can raise him like my little brother. Um, so yeah, I really feel like her importance was just like this is the last time jesse actually lived (laughs) yeah that's what i'm saying like that last that the fact that she was there and that he never let go of her after all this happened like left me with hope that jesse's actually gonna make a decent life for himself and learn to live with what's happened not like forget but because obviously like like was what was told him in the beginning of the film like the fact that she was there and she could be the, her, the memory of her can be like his guiding light. And yeah. I, I don't know. It just made me really happy that the film ended as a, with as positive a note as it did. Like, because I mean yeah. the series more or less didn't end in a happy way, but the <laughs> fact that Jesse still found the way to get, have his happy ending after all, like I'm just, I'm very pleased that Vince Gilligan gave us that. Yeah. And especially to cap it off with uh, giving Kristen Ritter her little cameo, I thought it was really cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, – I, I like the way that it, it kind of just ends everything in a way where it's like there's no questions to what the what the end w- ends with these certain things were anymore. Yeah. Um, this It confirms Walt is 100% dead. <laughs> Oh my God! Hearing like, the hearing the, the I remember hearing people like, "Is is Walt really dead?" And then in this movie, there's like three times where they're like, "We swear to God, he's dead. Stop bringing." God, it's this not up. Tony Soprano where he may or may not be dead because David Chase decided to just cut to black in the middle of the ending. Like, no, Walt was yeah. dead. He got he got shot. He collapsed to the ground. He looked dead, and also his cancer was like no. For real, like you're no, gonna there die. Was, the fact that that was even in question was so stupid. Like, I love the little subtle things with yeah. the news throughout the film. Like, the manhunt for Jesse Pinkman over the last, like, six months. He's been with Walter White for the last six months. Like, I kind of – I forgot that, like, really Breaking Bad only took place over the span of less than a year. Like, didn't did that surprise you? Like, did you forget that too? No, because I remember – I don't remember what season it was, but I remember because uh, it starts with his birthday and then like you only see his birthday two other times. It's like, dude, the series started in 2009, ends in like 2013 or 14, and it's only two years and the last two seasons are only like six months. Yeah, that's right because what was because, it? Because, on, dude, honestly, the last season – god – up until like the last two or three episodes is maybe a week or two. Right. And we, and then he, and then he disappears for like three to four months when he goes up, when he disappears. And then he's like, nah, screw this. I got to go back and exact my revenge. Yeah. And we, I, I, now that I think about that, we do only see when he turned, what was it? 50 and 51? 52. I think it was, but, or no, I think it start. I think it starts off with fifty, and then fifty-one is like midway through the series, and then fifty-two, he's celebrating in the last season when he's eating at that diner by himself because right. they're like, 
Denny's, Denny's grand, Denny's will give you a free grand slam for your birthday. And then he shows his ID and she's like, Oh, thank you, Mr. Johansson. And it's like, Oh, we got a fake ID. Okay. That's right. Where we're and at. so he would have been like only the kingpin then for those six months, according to the news. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, just real quick too. Now that you got me thinking about it, Jesse's parents bringing them back. I, that was really cool too. the giving him a last goodbye to them. Like, because do you I don't even remember like it had to have been 10 years ago in season one the last time that they were in the show if they even were like I may even be wrong no they show up a couple times not a lot they show up a couple times I think the last time was maybe like two, season two or three that I don't remember the him. episode but I do remember him just showing up at home and they like basically yeah. like kicking him out yeah but I, I like my favorite part of that episode though is when they're like, "We found this mar- this uh, this joint," and then Jesse takes the fall and his brother comes out and he's like, "By the way, you got skunky weed." Ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. And he's just like, "Don't make the mistakes I made. You're actually smart. Look what happened to my life. Don't screw up." Right. Because that's the thing. That's the thing about Jesse is like, dude, he is honestly one of the most caring characters I've ever seen in a show. Who just made some of the most horrendously poor decisions in his life. God, I, I think still for me, like, like it's one of those things where it's like, I just want to scream like, if you just stopped being stupid, yeah, <laughs> and just did the normal thing, you could be fine. I, as much as I do generally overall like this film, still. Um, I don't think anything for me will top my favorite Jesse moment being the season three finale when he shoots the scientist in the face and we wait an entire like God knows how long like but I don't remember if this was over a year break between three and four or if that was other seasons but the anticipation I think it was three I think it was four and five because they weren't sure if the show was coming back okay well however long that gap was between three and four for the confirmation that yes like he shot him in the face instead of just like shooting yeah. like past his head and missing him deliberately was one yeah. of the most oh my god one of the most agonizing weights plus on top of yeah. that just being a shocking final shot alone for an episode yeah uh, what's your what's the your one, favorite? The Jesse? one th- the one thing that I will say that I was surprised did not happen is I actually really did think there would be a flashback with Saul. Um, yeah, Bob wasn't even in the film. But the reason the reason being is I really thought it was going to be like a Mike like Mike's cameo because, dude, Walt is so last minute in the movie that I they it's obvious that the flashbacks in the movie are like people like trying to be like there's more to life than what we're doing and I find it interesting that they don't have Saul because Better Call Saul really shows Saul is a deeper person than just the kind of bumbling idiot that is portrayed in Breaking Bad um and I it's funny because I thought I think and it might be it might be because of Better Call Saul but I honestly thought Saul and Jesse had a pretty decent relationship it was just like an age gap that was kind of the big dividing force between them um, but I thought they had a pretty good relationship so I was kind of surprised that they didn't have him like trying to give some sort of wisdom to Jesse um, well he would have he would have been in hiding the end. he would have been in no, no, hiding no, flashback, already though flashback flashback 
Oh, okay. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I'm for just the... saying, I'm surprised that he didn't have a flashback cameo as well. You remember a little bit more than about them in the show than I did, because I don't remember them ever really having, like, that much screen time together. Like, I'd well, always and, felt... And that... And that's what I'm getting at by saying maybe it's just because of Better Call Saul. Maybe I thought they had a better relationship because Jesse hasn't shown up in Better Call Saul. Um, but the fleshing out of Saul's character, because I remember Saul and Walt's relationship a lot. Um, well, yeah, they almost shared they, every time. Very that, contentious. Well, every time that Bill was on screen, it would be Walt with him most of the time. Yeah. Or Bob. I don't know why I said Bill. Um, yeah. But no, um, what's your favorite, since I said my favorite, like, um, was there anything in this that topped any of your favorite Jesse moments? Like, if you have one. Um, I wouldn't say topped my favorite Jesse moment, but it became one of my favorite was actually the gunfight at the end, um, where Jesse just finally says i am so tired of being pushed around i am now the alpha you you all can suck it when he kills those two guys and then he gets the three of them and he goes i know where you live if you ever mention who the to the police who i am i will find you and i will kill you because jesse was really bad at standing up for himself through the whole series like with after he got robbed um and all these all these things like he never stood up to wall he wouldn't stand up to like the only time he ever stood up to anybody was the dea and cops but if you were a criminal he would not stand up to you and i just love that he's like no like he he wins their duel by cheating um he has a second he has a second gun you had you had to have seen that coming though even i saw that coming Oh, yeah, dude, I saw that coming a mile away. I was like, well, his hand's still in his jacket. He's not reaching very well for the other one, and he clearly had two guns. And also, a twenty-two wouldn't really... Like, it It can kill someone, but it needs to be really close range, and it has to be a perfect shot. And I was like... But the other thing was a thirty-eight snub-nosed police pistol, which... Police-issued pistol, which is very good at keeping in your pocket and hiding from people, and does kill people. Yeah, I didn't know a thing about any of those guns. So thank you for our weekly. Yeah, for some reason his parents had a freaking Luger twenty two. I was like, why do you just have that gun? But yeah, they had a snub nose uh, police issue. But and that's uh, our latest installment in our weekly. Dan doesn't know this. <laughs> Dan doesn't know how to be manly. Um... <laughs> Dan, this stay tuned next week when we figure out. Um, the weaponry used when, when, and... when Nick explain when Nick explains a combustion chamber in an engine to Dan and Dan goes, huh, interesting. <laughs> Dan learns how shotguns work next week on Zombieland. <laughs> <laughs> Please tell me you actually know how they work. Yes. No, I there's going to be some weapon in it that you're going to say the name and like all this history and specs. I'm just going to be like gunfire good. <laughs> <laughs> hey, go boom. Gun go bang bang. <laughs> zombie head go boom (laughs) i'm pretty much out of stuff to talk about with this movie um yeah i'm um i'm trying to think if there's anything else i want to say real quick before we go um i mean we talked about all the supporting characters i mean we've isolated the one thing that kind of kept this movie from being sprinkles um i guess in final summation um for breaking bad fans only 
per se really like there's not really a reason to see this other than you've seen the show before like yeah you're gonna miss a lot of stuff if you like i'm gonna watch this but not the show or i haven't seen the show since season two yeah it's not really fair to really make that a mark on this film like usually like i'll not dock a movie for like being too inclusive but really at this point it's a it's a really well-made fan service yeah from the guys that made it though which is even more incredible like yeah in this it's not it's not a cash grab fan service but like it's something where it's like this was made for fans of the show to get some closure on several things in this day and age with shared universes and all that and just ongoing sequels like and for this specific case the success of better call saul surely was a big factor into this getting greenlit in general. Not just the fact that the show is heralded as one of the best of all time, but... Well, I thought they said something about, like, they wanted, like... I heard some rumor a long time ago, uh, after Saul started doing so good, that, like, well, we should get a, a we should get a Jesse, like, short spinoff series to kind of, like, this is what he did after he got out. Oh, I'm so glad it was a movie instead of that. Yeah, and then, and then they're like, here's a movie, stop with the bad ideas. Yeah, don't just... The miracle that is better call Saul actually working should just have been a victory yeah. in itself, which is why I'm saying that that had to have been like the biggest factor into like, OK, better call Saul worked. Let's give Jesse a movie like yeah. just to wrap up his story. Like, yeah, um, otherwise, I don't see how we would have ever gotten this because like Breaking Bad is just such on this pedestal up there with the Sopranos and the West Wing, like any any ideas to like that could tarnish its image um obviously you don't want to do it but i mean you've seen more better call saul than i have i've only seen season one but yeah i i actually love better call saul i it's on netflix i have no reason to not watch it i just haven't um but in regards to this like for what it is it delivers exactly what you would want out of uh out of a story like this and Sure, we're going to be biased a little bit because we're Breaking Bad fans, but the fact that Vince actually made a really mostly compelling story out of this and gave us some closure, I I have no reason to not give this a full pan. Like, this was... Yeah. Uh, no, it's not going to be on my best of the year list, but I as strictly a Breaking week. Bad fan... <laughs> as it's the strictly, best of anything we watch for the show for this week. That is true. And it can take solace in that and the fact that it gave us a better ending than what most of the time when something that would be a cash grab would end up giving us. I just kudos, kudos to this film. It could have, it, there's no reason for this to have ended up being what it was, uh, let alone it being about it's above, it's above average for the show. Like there's been worse episodes of in the show than yeah. this movie was. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's not even close to the worst that the show put out. Um, and even the worst stuff for this show is still pretty good. Yeah. Um, By the way, but, before we go, two seconds. The Fly is not one of the worst episodes of the show. You shut your mouth if you think that that is one of the worst episodes. I don't think it's one of the – I remember me and you years ago talking about this. I don't think it's one of the worst, but I remember just watching it. And I was like, man, I really want to just get to the next episode. I love Fly. I love bottle episodes. I think that's one of the best bottle episodes of a show I've ever seen. I think that the performances from Aaron Paul and uh, Brian Cranston were incredible. I thought it was some great character building for them while they 
in narrative terms, we're stuck in this and you get to see a window into what that mundanity must be like while captive in that meth lab. I don't care what you say. Not you, Nick. I don't care what you listeners say. The Fly is one of the best episodes of the show. Dan only cares about what I have to say (laughs) because he has to. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah. Because if if I say nothing, the episode's pretty boring. Yeah. If you disagree with me, reach out to us. Fight me. I don't care. Uh, With that, that is our thoughts on El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie. We are going to take a very brief break and take our time machine to 1968 and talk about the Roman Polanski film, Rosemary's Baby. We'll be right back. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Nick and I just got out of the time machine and we've landed in 1968 and we have witnessed what many people call one of the best horror films of all time, Rosemary's Baby. The film is directed and written by Roman Polanski based on the novel of the same name from uh, an author whose name I don't have in front of me at the moment. So, <laughs> um, but Tim anyway, Blake Nelson, <laughs> um, Ira Levin, um, that's who wrote the book. So, um, the film also stars uh, Mia Farrow and an Academy Award winning performance from Ruth Gordon, along with uh, John Cassavetes and uh, Sidney Blackmare, um, amongst a lot of other people in this ensemble. And um, since I mean, well, neither of us had seen this before, but since this was my pick, I will op- I will open the floor to Nick for your thoughts on the film. Single brownie, wildly unimpressed. Oh wow, straight up single brownie. Yeah, that uh, man. There is a ton of acting that's really bad in this movie. Um, it feels incredibly padded, and I don't think the ending's all that good. But I can see this movie was redone, uh, but with Devil's Due. Um, I've not seen that movie, but I know what it's about. And just they're like, yeah, it's about people that go on vacation and then the wife gets knocked up and turns out it's like the devil. Uh, That's this movie, minus the vacation part. But um, Mia Farrow, I hope she never won an award for acting unless she vastly improved because, dude, this to me, like her acting to me is what I think you think Hayden Christensen is like. Um, Oh, I thought the two old people were really annoying. Um, the husband was good. Um, and then, dude, how long was this movie? Like two hours, ten minutes? It was a hair over two hours, yeah. Okay. Uh, I feel like it could have been fine as an hour and 40 to 45 minute movie. Um, it felt really padded. Um, and then, th- I didn't like the ending and it's it's more of like the ending itself is okay i just thought the execution was really bad uh like i don't i honestly don't mind that she kind of embraces like being this like spawn of satan's mother i don't really mind that um but the acting in that scene was incredibly hokey like the one lady rocking the baby and then they're like you're rocking it too hard you need to stop and let rosemary do it and then she walks off and sticks her tongue out to her i was like aren't you a satanist why are you acting like you're five um there could be five-year-old Satanists. But, 
Yeah, man. What do you think they're doing in preschools? They're putting their crayons and pentagrams and stuff. Um, <laughs> but I think the idea of the movie is is neat, but I think it's like like the idea of like I think I think a lot of this like every idea in this movie I think is a good idea. I just think it's executed really poorly throughout the entire thing. Um, and I think it's too long. So yeah, single brownie. I was really, this might've been great at the time, but dude, I was so like, like I was, I wasn't, I wouldn't say like, like other movies that bore me, I'm just sitting there like, dude, come on, let's go. I never really was like that with this movie. But at the same time, I was like, man, this is just really padded. And I get it's probably trying to build atmosphere, but it's not working. And this acting's terrible. Uh, like, it, it felt like watching uh, a recorded version of, like, a town play. Um, and I cannot emphasize enough Mia Farrow's acting in this movie. Oh my god! Why did they go with the practice takes? Where like, dude, the scene where she's having sex with the devil, she's like, "This isn't a dream. This is really happening." I was like, "What person comes to the realization they're having sex with the devil and they're just like, I'm mildly inconvenienced by this? Who wouldn't lose their mind?" Well, um, in in the defense yeah, of the it, movie, she was drugged in that scene. But she comes to the realization and it like with her acting in the movie, that's her being really freaked out because there's other scenes where she gets really freaked out and she has that kind of inflection. So she just sucks at acting. So I don't know. I mean, neat try, but try again. Like it, this really feels like a first attempt at doing this movie, like from the script, from like the story to the script, to the acting, like everything feels like the first attempt at it. And it's like, man, if you try, if you like try and hammer out like two to three different renditions, you might actually get something really, really good. But instead you're left with a really good concept that's executed really bad. Uh, so that's why it's a brownie for me is something cool is there it's just not done very well i will contend that i have seen i've seen some better films that had the reveal of there being like an occult or a coven or like the secret organization um that i personally found more entertaining than this film I don't dis- I don't agree that this is. You a- saw "Follow That Bird," the movie about Big Bird. There's <laughs> the cult in it. Uh, no, I. Uh, but uh, I disagree that this is a bad movie. I think this is still a pretty good movie. Um, I wouldn't say a, a great film. Like this is this will be the first time that we'll both have watched an older movie, and I didn't actually like fall in love with it or continue to remain in love with it um i'm only giving i think i think this was the was it this one or yeah because hoosiers i think i just hoosiers i didn't really like and i had a pretty 
emotional response to it. I think this one I texted you and I was like, I'm sorry I don't have a more emotional reaction to this. I was like, but it's just kind of there. Yeah, I I had I was not as scared during this film as I was anticipating like in terms of like an actual no. like in terms of like a horror movie like what I usually grade horror movies on. No, this movie's actually like not scary at all. Like um so I kind of wonder like really like you all call this like the scariest movie ever one of them but yeah um i do empathize a lot with mia farrow's character and maybe it's a little personally skewed because um i can relate to not living in manhattan you can relate to giving birth to spawn of satan (laughs) exactly (laughs) All of a sudden, you hear Jerry meowing in the background. <laughs> exactly, my my little spawn of Satan. Um, <laughs> I I can empathize though with um, again not living in Manhattan, but I can empathize with like um, having insecurities about moving from where she said Des Moines, Iowa. Wasn't that where she said she lived from? She moved from Ding 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 Dingville, uh, where they play banjo music. If you wake up, <laughs> she so she moved from like small town wherever. And it's the big city, and, like, I can remember that feeling, like, um, when I went to Penn Station and got out the literal first time, like, just getting off the train, just the overwhelming amount of people, and, like, feeling like I was in the way, and just how daunting, like, the idea of, like, okay, I am personally, like, living here, like, at least for me, like, this is where my work life is going to be, I'm going to be spending my more time here than my house, but, like, the idea of, like, living there being in a building with thousands of other people and they're all strangers you don't know them and the kind of just the paranoia that comes with that the isolationism that you you can feel that comes with that and um just in that in that regard like i thought the film did a good good job of just at least setting the stage and uh having that kind of subtle frightenedness with her like the the insecurity of just how daunting that must have been um i didn't think the film like in, did a as great a job or at least i didn't perceive enough of this personally the religious undertones of the film like because the trivia talked a lot about like how um her faith played a big role in the film and i just it did yeah exactly i didn't really buy like or I didn't really get that much. Like I didn't. Re- yeah, I didn't pick up on that at all. I saw some trivia. Other other than they're like, are you Catholic? Yeah. Yeah, there was. And then it's kind of dropped. A lot of stuff about the trivia, like talked about, um, how like the. Did they mean in the book it did? It must have been stronger in the book because whatever parallels or literally anything involving her religion, like outside of she couldn't call her parents because he was Jewish. Like, if there's any more importance to that in terms of her character development, I missed it. I'm sorry. I missed it. And the fact that... I, the, to, the biggest religious pickup I got was when uh, uh, when she's like, what'd you do to his eyes? What'd you do to his eyes? And he's like, he has his father's eyes, the devil, and he shall reign supreme and come and take everyone's tater tots and he's gonna punch you with puppy fists. Like, <laughs> that was the most uh by the way that's exactly how it's said in the movie don't question me and um <laughs> but yeah i got like virtually 
for a movie about the son of the devil, um, surprisingly little religious talk. Yeah, I, if there was more... Or, or I was so, like, bored that I wasn't watching it as heavily as I needed to to pick up on that, but... I mean, it's there, but it's not, like, hammered into your head. No, it's not. And that's, like, maybe that's maybe the way I'm phrasing this isn't right for, like, a criticism per se, but, like, um, uh, other things about the movie that I'm just real quick hot take, I'm t- t- I'll knock out here real quick. I thought Roman Polanski stylistically did some pretty cool things. Like, this was in, like, his prime. Like, he was known. So I got a, I got a question about him, too. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. What's the question? What is the con? Like, he's something's controversial about the guy. Like, I know he was married to Sharon Tate, but what's the controversy thing? Oh, let's. I'll. I'll. I'll just. It's bad. <laughs> it's pretty bad. Okay. I like. I all I know is there's some controversy thing. I don't know what he did. Yeah. Supposedly. I just. I'm only saying. I'm only say, shrugging because I remember closing out last week. I said that we wouldn't make that big a deal about it, so I'll just very... Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. I'll just very briefly, because I thought you, you knew about this. He... Um, I don't remember the exact year, but he was convicted of statutory rape and drugging this person, too. And he was convicted... Oh, my God. Yeah, he was convicted, but didn't get sent to jail immediately. So... While he was out and about... Is he dead now? Well, before the sentencing, I think, is what it was. Um, before the actual sentencing, like, uh, he was convicted, but didn't get sent to jail yet, and he fled the country, and he's literally never stepped foot on American soil since, I want to say, like, 1972. Oh, what a piece of crap. He... Remember when we were talking about the art versus the artist? <laughs> yeah. So, apparently, he's one of those guys yeah that's why okay i'm sorry for totally killing the mood with this i i didn't know i just knew some controversy existed i thought maybe he said like i sit during the national anthem or something no he (laughs) not at all (laughs) that's why it was a big deal with uh once upon a time in hollywood like uh that he was in the film and well, I mean, a caricature well, of him. In my defense, I've said it a million times. I really don't pay attention to the news. Yeah, like that. So sorry. <laughs> no, that's that's fine. Like that's why I meant in um, the art versus the artist when we talked about that months ago. That I, for what he did, and he's still making movies. Like um, he won an Oscar for The Pianist in 2002 while he was in this isolation. That mo- so I take it he didn't accept his award. Uh, Harrison Ford did on his behalf because he presented it. Um, <laughs> I can imagine Harrison Ford to be like, for Roman Polanski, uh, a piece of crap. I'm gonna take this and put it in a blender. Uh, <laughs> I want my family back. Harrison, you have your family. Uh, are they on the side of the stage? <laughs> um, but no, like that's again the. That movie is amazing, and he did a movie with Ewan McGregor in 2011 called The Ghost Rider, and that movie's amazing too. And wait, he did Ghost Rider? No, not the Nick Cage film. My face is on fire. <laughs> Look at my sick ride. <laughs> I got a leather jacket. 
No, the the movie's called Ghost Writer with a W, and it's a great movie. Wow. Oh. And that's the thing. Like, I know he did this, and I know he should be in jail, but the pianist made me cry, and I really like Ghost Writer. I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> those 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 Someone movies. Someone are... isolate that audio so it sounds like he said I really like Ghost Writer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I really like Ghost Rider. <laughs> All right. Well, but off his controversy. But yeah. Um, um, anyway, I'll wrap up. I thought stylistically he did some cool things. Like, I really liked a lot of the camera work, like a lot of the steady cam shots in this film. I like that a lot of it was done with, like, very little editing. Like, a lot of things were done with long single takes. Um, I think... Yeah, and... <laughs> That's what that's one of my things that I feel like is a really weird gripe is it it does build the atmosphere very well when people aren't talking. Yeah. Cuz some of these people talk like cartoons, especially the old people. That's good. But at the same time it it builds that atmosphere very well at the exact same time where it's like okay, stop building it. You're you're hanging too long on some of this stuff. Well, that's the the, di- the way the dialogue is delivered is kind of a stigma of the times. Like up until honestly, like maybe the 70s, I want to say personally, um, everybody liked to deliver the lines like this, and women would deliver their lines like this. Like everything had like. And if you were an annoying woman, you talk like this. Oh, you just gotta see what her furniture looks like. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> god. I hated that old woman, I, dude. And she won the Oscar. Like, there's. Yeah, I know. Like, I remember when you told me that, I was like, did they have, like, no standards? Like, do you have to just be in the movie? And they're like, here's your award. Well, if... God, dude. Like, I I know the old people are supposed to be annoying, but there's a difference between annoying and migraine-inducing. And I know that, like, in the Midwest, we've been having a bunch of, like, temperature fluctuations and fronts move in. But I, I got headaches watching this movie if that lady talked for too long. I actually really like, like I, I'm going to disagree with you the most on this. Like we like you, we, we, you, I still like the husband more than you, but you said you like the husband. I actually really loved. I wanted a, I wanted a building to fall on that woman. I really liked both those characters. I, I liked that. Uh, the guy was fine. I like, I didn't mind the, I didn't mind the old guy, but dude, I, I can't imagine that that guy, if he's a devil worshiper would put up with that woman and then not just stab her in the throat. So he, she couldn't make sound. Oh, come on. I I don't I disagree. I like the way that they kind of coerced the husband and uh like were like low key not taking care of Mia, but um were like coaxing her into like, "Oh no, this is perfect. You're going to be fine." Like not really like pulling her in. Don't you Don't you love when they're like, "Go to this doctor." And the doctor's like, "Don't ask questions." Like <laughs> Dude, <laughs> How stupid were people in the 70s? These were the same people. Well, this was right around um didn't Coke no, Coke didn't have actual like like no, dude, cocaine got taken out of Coke like in the 20s. Oh, okay. I have my time frame way but, wrong then. But but what I'm getting at is like, dude, I get it. We live in the time of like anti-vaccination stuff and like the resurgence of the flat earth theory. Um I'm going to put this out there right now. If you believe in either of those, there are scientists for a reason and there's a reason you're not one it's because you're wrong um but that was a very like, okay do, I, <laughs> we got really political there for a second <laughs> that is not political that's common sense i agree um, i agree but whoa that was a hot button i was not expecting to press with this movie 
<laughs> Rosemary's baby. It'll make you believe in vaccinations and that the earth is round. Get vaccinated or your son will turn into a demon. <laughs> what happened to his eyes? He has polio. Um, <laughs> Oh my god <laughs> um, but anyway back to what i was saying just like dude she goes to a doctor and he's like don't read books don't ask questions and don't talk to your friends like hey, what was- if he okay if he would have like come to that like point just like more cleverly cool but he just like he literally delivers those lines that bluntly like don't read books don't talk to your friends pregnancy and pregnancies aren't the same and also don't ever question anything i ever tell you ever it's like how stupid were people in the 70s what was what was it uh not this i know this is wrong but he was just like a topic pregnancy ha oh why would you think that like what what about when she like before she's like nah screw this doctor like when they're at the party and they're like she's like i've been hurting and they're like how long have you been hurting she's like since november and we already watched a new year's eve party happen it's like lady no like if you hurt for three months you need to see a doctor and if your doctor's like no it's fine Go get a second opinion. That's why those exist. Well, here's the thing. Like, again, this is part of why I can empathize with that character because I – With with which one? Rosemary or the doctor? With Rosemary. Obviously not the doctor. Okay. <laughs> I, dude, I didn't know. I thought you were a psycho. No. <laughs> no. With, um, with her because I – sure, this is, again, probably skewed a little bit from my personal life, but I can empathize with – that feeling of uh, you can empathize with carrying the devil. <laughs> no, with with strictly like I moved to a new city. I only knew like my significant other, but I did have a friend up here, so she didn't have any friends up here. But I had to meet all these new people, and I could completely buy into like her trusting these people that like all they're her neighbors. Um, they seem like they decent people. They seem like decent people. They told me to go to this doctor, and this doctor said I'm cool. I got to trust him because I'm not medically trained. And, like, yeah, I mean, suspend disbelief a little bit. I'm not medically trained, so that means I. So that means that if someone says don't ask questions about your pregnancy and don't talk to anyone and don't try to learn about it, that's definitely a good sign. Well, sure. That's, I mean, you could, I mean, you could theoretically, like, be misinformed or misinterpret something or if she had webmd webmd set would have told her she was gonna die like <laughs> and then what dude not to not to interrupt but this is news so big i think you want to hear it um is this something we have to cut no but jalen ramsey guys just got traded from jacksonville to the rams for a 2020 draft pick okay um kind of not surprised based on news we saw earlier, <laughs> but we can discuss this off mic when we finish debating Rosemary's Baby. Not to completely date this <laughs> review now. Um, October 15th, 2019. <laughs> Sorry, it's football. It's, it's sports. Look, guys, it's it's sports versus talking about the devil. I, well, yes. So. Anyway, back to the review. Anyway, yeah. I can completely empathize with, uh, with her in this situation and i can understand like 
how she could just blindly trust these people when in, obviously in reality, like we're the viewers and hindsight's 2020 for her. Like obviously like she should have saw these red flags, but they're so nice to her. They seem like they're looking out for her, even though all of this is going on around her, like just that complete feeling of like loss and hopelessness outside of what is perceived, perceived to be this only life raft. Like, I'm not saying that the performance is outstanding. Like, I'm just generally shocked that she didn't get an Oscar nomination. But um, I'm not saying the performance is not out, is is outstanding. I was like, I will concur. It's really terrible. No, I think it's a good performance. She's, dude, she just seems like someone where they're like, hey, she's kind of pretty, right? Yeah, and she wants to be an actress. Well, is she willing to get naked on camera? Yeah, she's gonna be a star. Like, she has, dude. I cannot drive this point home enough. It's like listening to someone type in the lines to a computer and then the computer reads it, except it doesn't like sound digital. Um, but the inflection is the same. You have not seen enough movies older than 1970, which I mean, I'm not blanketing it. it. That statement does not make me want to either. I'm not trying to. Bl- Dude, I thought uh, I thought the acting in. um uh uh, what was the movie from like the fifties that we saw? Oh, Virginia Woolf. I thought the acting in that was phenomenal. There are that's like because they were acting. There are there's there are some uh, other other than other than the one girl couldn't act drunk, but that's kind of hard to do. But the but what I'm saying is like you can act well like this, but there's always going to be that kind of like um uh cadence. That everything sounds so formal like this. Like, that's that, – and that makes – Hey, Buster, what did you read in the papers today? That's what makes Virginia Woolf as – Type deal. That's what made Virginia Woolf as, like, shocking as it was, was that the dialogue was just so vulgar and unformal and watching that marriage fall apart and them just, like, behind closed doors, like, we witnessing that. Like, that's what made that movie so shocking just as an outlier. But a lot of the times, dialogue is delivered – with various degrees of actual acting ability in itself, most dialogue is delivered, like, in that formal kind of way. Oh, yeah, he's been in this commercial, and that commercial, and that play, and that play. Like, <laughs> I did laugh at repeated lines like that, like, because there's a lot of repeating lines. Yeah. Like, uh, what was it, the, uh, oh, I've been around everywhere. Have you been to Juneau, Alaska? Oh, yeah, I've been there, too. I've been around everywhere. Like... <laughs> Dude, a lot of the what's funny is a lot of the people in this movie talk like uh, NPCs in video games. <laughs> like, no human talks like that when you like when you like if you're playing a game and it's like go up to this man and press X to interact with him. Uh, none of the stuff that they say is how an actual human would talk. Like in the Pokemon games when we were kids, he's like, you've you've come from how far away? Oh man, you'll never beat my Weedle. Like. Who who would say that? What human would construct a sentence like that? Right. I I see what you mean, and I just... You see what I mean about Weedle? <laughs> beating the Weedle. <laughs> <laughs> Gross. Um, I, I see what you mean. I don't feel as strongly like that, that the movie has that clunky a dialogue. I... I, but do you agree with me that it will make you believe in the in the round earth theory? In in the what theory? <laughs> in the round earth theory, you know, <laughs> fact. Yes. 
I I still think this movie like works well enough. Like I I it was easier for me to just buy into really like just the the atmosphere of this film. I think this film did a really good job, kind of like El Camino, like what we were just talking about. I think Roman Polanski. I think it builds its atmosphere very well. I just don't think it's a good atmosphere. I <laughs> like. I don't get sucked into it. I I was buying into it. I I like this general unease and kind of paranoia, and just don't know what on like, earth is happening. Like I really enjoy. I it's, I thought the film did. I thought Roman did a great job of doing that. Like again, like I empathized and felt bad for for her, even though I wasn't scared. I just felt bad for her. Like Jesus Christ, like. Can this woman see a real doctor? Like, where the hell is her husband? It's, it's atmosphere. <laughs> it's atmosphere is like the best terrible atmosphere it could have. <laughs> where it's like you did a really good job building this, but the end product still sucks. <laughs> you were the best. It's like getting the best Mega Block set for Christmas. Like, you know, you really <laughs> wanted Lego. <laughs> You, you got the most expensive Duplo set. <laughs> you, you got you got the most ex- expensive, or you got the coolest Matchbox car ever. But you know, Hot Wheels is is still better. <laughs> oh my God, you 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 are the leading scorer of your JV basketball team. <laughs> like Bravo, you still were on the B team. <laughs> Good job, it's like, it's like uh, what's that stereotype you always hear people make fun of about jocks from small towns? Just be like, yeah, man, I was all state, all state varsity my senior year. Did you play in college? No. Well, cool. <laughs> nah, college wasn't right for me, bro. <laughs> nah, man, college, you'd have to like study and stuff. What do you do? Well, I just work at the Shell gas station. Like, oh, well, glad, glad to know you caught 17 touchdowns in 87. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, can I get 30 on pump seven? How's that? How's that trailer holding up, Uncle Rico? <laughs> uh, yeah. Coach would have put me in. We would have won state. No, no doubt. <laughs> God. Um, I'm trying to think the um, other things to talk about this film. Like, um, oh, I, I one thing since I usually pull up like trivia about this movie or about our movies. There wasn't really that much like um, there's a couple of things I wanted to talk about. Not that much like usual. Was there not much to talk about because it predates history? No, Jesus, no. Because <laughs> it's so old. No, oh my God, I've, there's so many movies. Come on, no, dude, I'm kidding. Two things I want to talk about uh, in the trivia. Uh, remember the scene where she just kind of walks into oncoming traffic? Yeah. Yeah, that was real. She actually walked into oncoming traffic. <laughs> they weren't even meaning to film. She's she just like, I hate this movie so much, I want to die. And she just like walks into traffic and like, start rolling. We can figure out how to use this. No, Roman Polanski said, we're filming this with you actually walking into oncoming. <laughs> Roman Polanski said, wander into traffic. <laughs> he did. He said, we're filming this like this. It'll be you and me. I'm going to be carrying the camera. Trust me. No- and this is a quote. This last part's a quote. Trust me. No one is going to hit a pregnant woman. And that's all it took. Sounds like something a man like him would say. <laughs> Trust me, all girls at 16 are doing this drug. He's like, he's like, oh, dude, that's bad. <laughs> uh, he's like, he's like. Trust me, nothing ever has nothing bad has ever happened to someone who's pregnant. Wasn't your wife brutally murdered and the fetus was cut out? 
Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was before Sharon got murdered. Oh, it was. I didn't know that. Yeah, dude, I texted you this before we. Oh, okay. I texted you this before we watched the movie. Like, why they kept saying <gasps> we watched the movie like a week ago. Well, this is why when other things have happened. The Cardinals are down 3-0 in the playoffs in in their round of the playoffs right now. I have more important things on my mind than if Sharon Tate was alive when this movie was made. Oh my God! Too many sports. Uh... <laughs> go sports, go. We're out of sports month. Let it go. <laughs> sports month will never end. As long as I'm on this show, sports month is never over. <laughs> um, but no, the, that's why in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, they were saying, oh, that's Roman, the director of uh, Rosemary's Baby. Oh. Because, uh, yeah, this movie wasn't. An... That would make a lot of sense that it was made before that then. Yeah, this was, this was released the year before uh, she got murdered. Um, so, um, maybe, maybe the people saw the movie and were like, Sharon Tate's pregnant with the son of the devil. I, sure. Um, the, the, the other bit of trivia I wanted to talk about was, um, uh, this producer of the film, uh, William Castle. I just, I just, I won't dwell too long on him, but, um, if any of you, if any of our listeners uh, don't know who he is, um, it wouldn't be surprising because honestly, I didn't. Neither do I. I mean, I didn't know who this guy was really, um, but apparently, he kind of had his own kind of career the same way that um, oh, uh, Roger Corman. He was kind of like a, uh, like a competition for uh, Roger Corman. Uh, for those of you who don't know him, Roger Corman is like one of the absolute most famous. He's like Dave Johnson, and if you don't know who Dave Johnson is, <laughs> yeah, he's bro, he is one of the most famous like B movie producers of all time, and uh, he actually would take in aspiring uh, filmmakers and let them produce movies or direct movies of his that he would give like pennies to, and if he saw any talent in them. Um, and if they made any money, he would let them keep working with him until like they, they got pulled to the big leagues, basically like, um, um, Ron Howard made, uh, made films for Roger. Uh, George Lucas had a history with Roger. Um, uh, Brian De Palma had a history with Roger Corman. James Cameron had it started his career with Roger Corman too. Like for all these schlocky B movies he made. He was also a kingmaker. William Castle didn't really, to my knowledge, have any like kingmaking power, but he was originally wanting to have this just in his own little surprising like B movie canon as well. But because this book was, I think that was something I texted you was like, was this intended to be a B movie? Yes, and this is where this is stemming from. He wanted to have this in his own little B movie canon as well, but because of how famous the novel ended up becoming and he got the rights to the book before it came out. Um, he was able to convince his other co-backers to get Roman Polanski, a then American unknown, but really famous for repulsion and cul-de-sac over in Europe and make this his American debut. And, um, sadly he passed away um not too long after this came out um 
he died in a uh, or well no he di- yeah he was alive for almost 10 years or after this came out but um so he did have a little bit of a career after this still but um at the same time uh this was easily like the biggest project to ever come out of his wheelhouse and um it's just really interesting at least to me that this guy that made movies like with the names of uh uh, Let's Kill Uncle and 13 Frightened Girls and uh, uh, one of the numerous movies to share the title, House on Haunted Hill. Uh, just these random little things that hardly anybody knows about, or at least to me. Uh, he ended up being able to put his name on the map before um, he passed away. And I mean, this is what he'll be primarily known for, but I don't know. I just wanted to yeah. share that little anecdote that... Uh, What's uh what's your rating by the way? I don't think you ever said. Oh right. Um I give this a full pan. I think it's definitely not a full pan. Wow. Yeah, no. I I, give it I dude, I'm defending all the acting in this film. I think the acting is actually pretty good. I think that You're defending all the acting. Yes, I think all the acting is every 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 second of it. I think the acting is pretty good in this From film. From Mia Farrow. I like Mia Farrow in this film. I think she does a pretty good job in this film not oscar worthy for sure i was not surprised that she didn't get an oscar nomination not being cast worthy either i no i think she did a really fine job with this role and i can see why this springboarded her career i can see why this springboarded roman polanski's career oh i i can see why it springboarded her career too every time that she's on the screen naked and people are like hey she'll do that okay put her in the movie oh it's better than that come on she didn't do this for the yeah Dude, I don't, I don't see anything you're talking about. This is better than the TNA, I think. The um, I, but no, I think her acting's not that good, dude. Like, whether she gets new to the movie or not, like it does not make up for how bad her acting is. I respectfully disagree. I think I was able to buy like, just I bought her in the physical performance of it, like just. I believed it whenever she was scared, in pain, frightened. I thought it was a good performance. Again, not Oscar worthy, but um, I thought it was good. I liked the, I liked her neighbors. I liked the husband. I think stylistically, Roman Polanski did some pretty creative things with the camera work. Um, I think this is the only thing I really just knocked this for is that it's just not that scary. Like, there's a lot of unsettling and unease with it, and just, like I keep saying, the the general... What's funny is I would just reclassify this as a as a, uh, a drama, and, and then just be like, it's a drama with horror, like, el- like, basic horror elements. Yeah, it's... Like, it's based on stuff that you would think would be a horror movie, but it's really just a drama. No, it should be a, it should be a drama slash mystery thriller. Like, this is definitely... Like, TNT is all over this because they know drama. Yeah, oh, <laughs> nice. I no, this movie definitely is more of a mystery thriller and a drama than an outright horror film. People need to, people should not call this a horror film cuz it, it's not scary. Just because a devil babies at the end of it doesn't mean this is a horror movie. Like Yeah. Um but aside from that, like I still think this is a fine movie. Like I don't love it, but I don't I definitely don't dislike it. I I encourage people to go see it. Um it definitely isn't as good as its poster, though. Like, I love the poster for this film. It definitely, <laughs> it oversells the movie hardcore because it definitely doesn't live up to how cool it is. Do you remember what the poster looked like? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean that's 
Uh, I'm kind of drawing a blank personally. I mean, there's not really um, not really that much more to talk about that I can think of per se, really. Yeah, I got nothing more. All right, we're right on. Uh, I gave it a full pan. You gave it a single brownie. Once again, we disagree on a movie that is over 40 years old. But with that, we will jump into the time machine and go back to 2019 and let you all know what we got going on next week. We'll be right back. All right, and that is it for another episode of Brownie Points. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you also to Isla Marf and Afuge for the music, as always. Afuge! <laughs> Next week, we are only going to be watching one film in theaters together, again, because of scheduling, but that is okay. The one movie we are going to be watching is Zombieland 2 Double Tap. Reuniting Jesse Eisenberg, Emma Stone, Abigail Breslin, and Woody Harrelson, along with a lot of other people, which I'm kind of taking as every lit. movie, all, every movie ever also has a lot of other people. Well, it's it's throwing me off because I like that the ensemble was so small in the last one, and now it seems like everybody that said yes to getting pitched seems like every celebrity that ever vocalized that they liked the movie is they're now like yeah you're in the movie yeah i all the ads plus i mean i like the first one i'd probably give it a full pan if not sprinkles uh but i would say the same i wouldn't i'm not saying that officially on record but i yeah i've not seen it for in like three years so i would have to see it again but it from what my memory serves me as, I would say it's probably a full pan. I think it. I think my thought on it is it it run it runs a little long. Um, when they get to Bill Murray's house, like it's funny, but at the same time, it's like that whole thing could have been cut out of the movie. Oh, but it was funny though. Yeah, um, it was it was funny, but it, it just like I was like that's when it felt like a drug for me, from what I remember. But again, been three years. I could be lying. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying not to hold against it that it's from Ruben Fleischer because he did do the first one, but since then he also did Venom and you, uh, oh, boo. faithful listeners know how Nick and I feel about that movie. Um, so we don't, <laughs> so, I mean, we'll, we'll go into it as open-minded as we have with other films. Uh, the only other film that we're going to watch, well, I mean, not together. Um, I'm going to try and do a Dan's solo review of Maleficent Mistress of Evil. Um, I should have enough time to watch it, but uh, sometimes I don't end up getting to do it I, like some other films. I, <laughs> I don't I don't have time to see it. I have to go see my future in-laws uh, and do some engagement photos for the weekend. So yeah. I don't have time to go see a movie that I don't want to see anyway. <laughs> I'm going to try to, um, like, I, I, pro- I, I kind of promised that I'd see Lucy in the Sky, but that fell through, and I wanted to see The Art of Self-Defense, and that fell through, too, so uh, don't hold your breath or be surprised if there isn't a 10-minute Dan Solo review of Maleficent just because life happens, but that is my goal, is for both of us yeah, to see... Yeah, we owe you people nothing. <laughs> uh, the goal is for both of us to see... <laughs> The goals for both of us to see Zombieland 2, and I will try my best to see Maleficent 2. Uh, and then, of course, for our time machine, it was Nick's choice this week. What are we going to go see? We are going to go see a movie that I would say is my favorite movie that I know virtually nothing about. Uh, 1982's John Carpenter's The Thing. 
you pulled up the it, year and everything this time. Yeah, because I remember having to specify what one I wanted. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's a movie that I remember probably as like the first horror movie I ever saw. And I, man, I, it's it had, uh, it's been like 10 years since I've seen that. So, I mean, I actually, it might be closer to 15. I don't remember much about that movie other than I thought the special effects were good and I thought it was a somewhat interesting story, but I was also really young, so I don't really remember anything about it that much. Um, so pretty excited to see it again and it fits with, you know, October and horror movies and stuff like that. Absolutely. Um, it's... So your pick, your pick next week now has to be a horror movie, and then we can make it another theme month on accident. I have an idea for my pick that I want to discuss with you off mic to see if it fits the theme. If we are going to stay with the horror theme, but Disney's haunted mansion. <laughs> Maybe no. Um, for me and the thing, it's been a while. It's probably been close to like eight, nine years since I've seen it. Um, I remember watching it in film school, like not for a project. Um, like a bunch of my friends and I just watched it one night. Um. But before then, I had seen it before, but I cannot specify when. So um, I still mostly remember the film. I mean, obviously, I haven't forgotten the crazy ending it has. Um, yeah. But uh, no, I'm extremely excited to watch this film again. Kurt Russell's uh, awesome in it. John Carpenter in the peak of his prime. Uh, just it's a great film uh, from at least from what I can remember. I can't wait to give it a reappraisal. Um, so along with that. Um, if you guys hadn't noticed, we released our episode two, Attack of the Clones bonus mini episode as part of our ongoing bonus episode Star Wars recap series. Uh, keep on the lookout for episode three, Revenge of the Sith. That is going to be dropping outside of our normal uh, feed, kind of like how episode two did. Uh, if you want to listen to episode one, that is in its own episode with Joker. So... Like I said, keep an eye out for that as well. We'll be dropping those every single week from episode two all the way to episode eight, The Last Jedi, uh, the week before we dedicate the whole episode to the rise of Skywalker and whatever film we decide for the time machine for that week, if we do. Um, oh, no, 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 we did, no, with a big movie like that, we did Vampire's Kiss and Endgame, or in Endgame, yeah, so... Yeah, we should have a time machine. Yeah, we'll still have one. Don't worry, folks. Um, plus, that's all the way in December. So, anyway, uh, Nick, remind everybody where they can reach us on social media. Facebook at Brownie Points Guide to Cinema. Uh, Twitter at Brownie underscore, or it's at Brownie underscore Cinema. Twitter, Brownie underscore Points underscore Guide. Uh, all three of those profile picture is the bowl of popcorn with a brownie in it. And we also have a Gmail. Send us, you know, list ideas for Brownie Bites, Brownie Bites topics, uh, countdown ideas, topics you want us to discuss, trailers you want us to talk about, movies you want to recommend for time machines or that are coming to theaters you want to make sure that we find time to watch and discuss. Uh, Brownie Points Guide to Cinema at gmail.com. And if you are listening to us without hitting that subscribe button, go ahead and do that. Leave us a star review as well. We are, but also, how dare you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, we are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Anchor.com, and a couple other ones that Anchor puts us on that we don't really follow um, <laughs> or know that much about. But, uh, yeah, just uh, let's help us spread the word. Um, keep interacting with us. Um, our Instagram crowd is awesome, by the way. I just want to give them a huge shout-out, uh, everybody yeah. that's interacted with us there, uh, plus our Facebook 
uh, Twitter. Uh, hopefully we get our audience there. <laughs> Just full transparency, you all suck on Twitter. Um, <laughs> but uh, with that... All two of you. Yeah. <laughs> but, Sad. <laughs> Sorry, I know I know one of them. It's a, it's a buddy of mine, and he loves Twitter, but I'm going to give him crap if he's listening. <laughs> so with that, that's all we got this week. Next week, we will see you for Zombieland, hopefully Maleficent 2, and The Thing, and as I said, keep an eye out for Star Wars Episode 3, The Revenge of the Sith. We will see you then. Only a Jedi deals in poker. I hate you! <laughs>that is not political that's common sense i agree um, i agree but whoa that was a hot button i was not expecting to press with this movie <laughs> <laughs> rosemary's baby it'll make you believe in vaccinations and that the earth is round get vaccinated or your son will turn into a demon <laughs> what happened to his eyes he has polio <laughs> um. <laughs>